Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Penny Bloom Podcast. It is I, Colton Robertson, and I am joined by none other than the magnificent Tavares Pennington. Hello. What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh, you know, nothing much. Just finished watching the uh, Dark Knight Rises. Oh, you know what? Me too. No shit. That makes sense. We were right next to each other. Yeah. So... We're going to talk about The Dark Knight Rises today. Keep talking about Batman because we love Batman. Batman. Why not? Batman. This is episode 61 of the Penny Bloom podcast. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. A lot of them. Uh, so last time I saw you, two days ago, what you been up to since? Uh, honestly, like I sat and stared at the ceiling for a little bit. And then mm. I rolled over in bed and then I um, clicked a couple buttons on my phone. And then I, uh, I woke up at some point. I don't remember going to sleep. And then I, um, stared at the ceiling some more. Sounds like an, <laughs> ide- sounds like an ideal couple of days. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I just been, uh, I mean, doing, doing homework, which mm-hmm. feels like staring at the ceiling. It does. And honestly, now that I'm home, it's making me realize, because, like, I don't really think about how much I do homework at school, because I feel like I feel like you're I at hardly school, you're gonna do, do homework. Yeah, yeah I just kind of, it gets done. Um, I don't know necessarily when. I never carve out time, like, you know, from this time I'm doing homework. I'm just like, yeah, I guess I'm not doing anything else right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm bored enough to do homework now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and now that I'm at, back at home, I'm just, like, literally in my room. Like literally doing homework, yeah. And like the Just kids, vibe the kids will come in and bother me, and I'm like, I, I, I should be able to play with you right now, but I actually can't. I can't. I, I'm doing homework. It's confusing because <laughs> I'm at home. You yeah, know? right. So it's like, is and, it- and it shows me how much time like I spend doing work. Mm-hmm. Shit's not easy to fit in your day to day. It is not. There's a lot of it. It's a lot. So I've uh I I did my homework the other night at three a.m. There you go. It's a, it's a, that way it doesn't go. have to be it doesn't have to fit into any part of my day. Yeah, I'll just do it in the middle of yeah. the night. Yeah. Uh, but also I've been playing. I finished that. Uh, I finished Miles Morales, the new Spider-Man game. Oh shit! How was what? What did you think? Uh, phenomenal game. Phen- better than the first Spider-Man game, and that one like game of the year. So it officially I, won game of the year. Uh, well, there was some sort of award that it got that was dubbed "quote game mm-hmm. of the year." I d- I don't know all the the specific titles Gamer for like gaming shoots. awards. Yeah, I I I'm not a huge video game guy. We've talked about this. We're more you know into the stories. Yeah, just kind of the uh, boom boom pow pow mm-hmm. slash. Well, and that's the thing about this Miles Morales story is that it's uh it's it is very boom boom pow pow, but it's all it's. It had an emotional resonance like hey. that. That shit hit me. You were hitting the criminals a little harder after those cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the, the they incorporated a lot of social commentary into it because it it was a more important time and a more important superhero to do that with, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and when you play this game, you it made me go like, Spider Man was always supposed to be black, like in terms of like. The way that he represented Harlem and different, just uh-huh. he embodied New York oh, to yeah. me so much better than Peter Parker does, and and I mean like I associate Peter Parker with New York because he's from New York, right. like Peter Parker. But like when I look at Miles Morales swinging around New York mm-hmm. City and whatever, whatever fit he's got on because they have a clean slate of suits all over. Yeah, it's just so much more New York to me. It's like he embodies that city so much better to me 
Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. You know, 16-year-old, 16, right? Yeah, he turned 16 during the game. A uh, 16-year-old black teenager probably fits the, uh, I guess, the conception that we are given um, of what a, a, a New York City kid looks like versus 16-year-old nerdy white kid. Who, yeah, for sure. Who's like a science genius. Is, it Morales, is Miles Morales... Oh yeah, he's a smart dude. He's, he's smart. Obviously, in this game, he uh, he him and his friend Finn they won a uh, they won some sort of a science uh, fair thing that okay. got them posted up at the science museum. Okay. So like they That's they cool. knew what they were doing. Yeah. They knew what they're about, and like you know they all got to kind of be smart because Miles Morales has to be able to like create his suit and shit mm-hmm. like that. You know? Right. So right. But it's he, just he's, kinda... he's got savvy to him for sure. Yeah. It, it it seems like they just kind of you know they bit more into like the uh, urban text of of, of uh, Miles Morales than mm-hmm. they would with uh, Peter Parker. One hundred percent. There's this, there's this really a uh, cool part of the game where uh, uh, after I completed the story, you go around you you accomplish these little tasks and uh-huh. uh, there's this app called the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man app where like people can request that you do things and when you finish them, it brings you to I'm a spoil spoil something for the game a little bit, but I mean you'll get there if you get there. Uh, where these uh, guys from Harlem, mm-hmm. a group of people from Harlem, uh, one of them's a mural painter. They got him his own suit called the Uptown Pride suit, and it's like a black and gold suit. And they, they give you this really cool photo moment where it's like in front of a mural that says Black Lives Matter and stuff. No, and I true. thought it was a really cool moment during that that's video cool. game. Yeah, And, uh, and like, it's queued up so that you can, like, turn it to photo mode as soon as it shows up, take a screenshot. And it's it's also now my, like, PS4 yeah. screensaver. Oh you know? shit! Okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, this, this. <laughs> There's a lot of commentary in it too. I told you about the, uh, like the demilita- demilitarization of the police is commented a lot. Yeah, like there'll be there's like a convict that shows up with a rocket launcher, and they're like, what? How did you? Why did the police even bring rocket launchers? <laughs> like wh- Miles Morales is like, should the police bring rocket launchers anywhere? <laughs> and I'm like, ever. Yeah, and like, there's there's very anti corporation the yeah. whole th- throughout the game. Uh, it's very very it's it's a fun game. It's uh-huh. right it's right up our alley. I think yeah. with the story and everything. Yeah. And uh, if you played the Spider Man game, it is real easy. Yeah, I'm, real easy I'm to thinking pick up. I'm a because uh, I have the Spider Man game, but I think I'm a. Um, have to get that level up this uh this uh this holiday season this this holiday season yeah yeah I'm uh shall we jump into this episode I think so let's roll that tape what do you say bada bing bada boom bada bing bada boom hold on speaking of the bada bing <laughs> <laughs> I've really I, I've really tapered off from watching the yeah, Sopranos yeah and I will get back to it I know that one hundred percent I will finish that show one hundred percent but and, and I've only got where, where I was. I think I was, I was season four, right? Yeah, yeah. We were season. Where did you stop? I think I finished season four. Okay, I was cl- I was close. I was either close to finishing or finished season four as well. You were I, you were well on your way because you saw a homie uh, that uh, beat a woman to death. Yeah, yeah. Get got. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, that was the big thing. season four was kind of slow. It was a little, and like it wasn't that that got me out of it. Yeah. It was just like it was just that like man, that's it was school same... started to ramp up, and I was like, I can't, I can't yeah. dedicate an hour like hours at a time uh-huh. to the show because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will, <laughs> I will, I will. No, I definitely will. Uh, I yeah, I'm thinking about that now, I probably stopped watching probably close to a month ago now. Yeah, right when school really really uh-huh. started picking its ass up. Shh. It, it's like I hit midterms and it never, never, never slowed back. down. Yeah, never <laughs> slowed down. 
Um, but we'll get we'll, we'll get back to it at some point. I'm sure. Oh, 100. Like, no, it's a good show. It's it's worth it. Oh, and one I, of the best shows to, I've ever watched. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I want to know, like, it, it, it really puts Breaking Bad into context. There's a discussion we had about The Sopranos and its influence on Breaking Bad. Oh, 100%. And, like, it, it's better than Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And, and just the way that, like, it, it makes every character important. Like, right. there were side characters in Breaking Bad that were interesting, but you were never worried about what was going on with them. I wanted to know what was going on with every single yeah. character. Yeah, I would be like, I haven't seen Meadow in a while. What's like, she up to? What's she yeah. doing? Right. Because I, I fucking love Meadow. Yeah. She's one of my favorite characters in yeah, that show. definitely. And there's a season where she's off in college where you just don't see her as much. Yeah, and I'm just right. like, oh, where's Meadow? Come home. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, you know what? Let's roll that tape. Let's talk about The Dark Knight Rises. What do you say? Boom, boom, pow, pow. Bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom. And always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed in now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. So we have just completed watching The Dark Knight Rises. First time I'd seen it in years. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about this movie overall? It, okay. So like and I know my first comment at the end of the movie was like that's why I hate this ending. Yeah. But it's a goddamn good ending to a to it the Dark is. Knight trilogy. It 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 really is cuz I mean it did it did tie up Bruce Wayne's story. It, it yeah, yeah. And it's it ended the way you want Bruce Wayne's story to end, but it didn't end the way you want Batman. Like, you don't want Batman yeah. to end, you right. know? So. The idea of Batman ending isn't, you know, Batman is like, you're like, damn, three movies and he's out. But, like, you know, for practical purposes, that makes perfect sense. But in terms of, like, every other Batman character we've known and loved, like, it's just kind of like, a, so you're going to keep going, right? Like, yeah. you know, we're going to keep getting these, right? Yeah. He's going to come it's, back, right? I mean... And what's funny is that this movie certainly at its ending leaves an opportunity for there to continue being Batman. Oh, yeah. Just not Bruce Wayne Batman. Right. Uh, that guy named Robin is Batman. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And that's Hilarious the, that they made this guy's name Robin. That's just, it was just, that was kind of fucking stupid. Because Robin's name has never been Robin. <laughs> no. That's been his code name. That was them not even wanting to miss the people who wouldn't recognize uh, it's wh- Tim, Drake. Tim Drake. Or, or Jason Dick, Todd. Or Dick Grayson. Or Dick Grayson, yeah. Like, honestly. And honestly, I would have thought that they would have went with the Dick, Gray- the Dick Grayson route if he was going to become like a detective a new, and stuff. And... Well, one, a, a detective, but like follow up on the Batman. Because yeah, in like the comics, Nightwing. And... Yeah, in the comics, that's the role of Nightwing usually is mm. like when Batman's gone, he'll come back from wherever the fuck he is. But in general, he's just another version of Batman because he was, Dick Grayson was the first Robin. First Robin, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um it goes Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, Tim Jason, Jason Todd, because Jason, Jason Todd's the one that becomes the Red Hood yeah. in the modern mm-hmm. DC era, and it's like, God, could there be more of a bitch of a character? 
dude, you you got half beaten to death by the Joker and then like paid homage to him with your name. Yeah. It's strange. I don't get it. Yeah. But no, uh, I, you know uh, what? Do you, Jason Todd? But uh, back to the, yeah. <laughs> back to the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Bane. Yeah. Like top three movie villain of all time. Oh yeah, for a no. superhero movie. Every every first thing he says, like every, you, you'll forget he's in the scene or he won't even be introduced yet, and he'll introduce himself, and it's just fucking perfect. Every it's just perfect. time, every entrance he made for the first, like for his first five entrances in the film, yeah. like every time he was introduced to a scene, it was because he just made an entrance talking <laughs> yeah. like this. <laughs> Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. <laughs> Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. <laughs> just like, like that. Wow. Just, and, like, even through through the end, like, right before, uh, like, Batman, he, like, uh, Talia Miranda tells him to keep him alive. He's just mm-hmm. like... She leaves, and then this, this clearly I yeah, cannot keep Batman. you alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's just like he's not done with those entrances, huh? Because he's nah. like, you're just like he he's here to be the fucking Bane, oh. and that's that was a perfect sort of I feel like emanation of of Bane was, was. Oh yeah, and what's funny is that like I uh, I'd forgotten how I knew how this movie ended, but I'd forgotten for the most part. Like yeah. I, it's I'm, when I say it's been years, I'm talking like roughly since the time it came out years and uh so all i remembered it was batman flying out over the ocean and taking and falling to his and dying i did not remember that he lived yeah oh you didn't (laughs) No. so when i saw him i was like oh of course yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but uh and i also like that he made his way off with selena kyle right well and so all of that makes sense to me right and Mm -hmm. you know it's just like it, the the Batman, and of course, you know they got to make a different sort of story to fit a trilogy that's, that's like grounded in reality. Grounded in reality, right? Because um, like Batman, this man's been at it for like twenty five years. Yeah, yeah, like this this trilogy takes place like from the time that he's like across uh-huh. the pond. You know, yeah, it's that's like from the end of this movie, mm-hmm. like twenty years ago. Yeah, and it's. Just crazy. It is, <laughs> it, is, it is very crazy. But. Like, nobody should put their body through that for that long. Yeah, yeah that's why it's, this shit was torn up. Um, it, it still, to me, felt as if, like, there was more. They, they were leaving the door open. They were. That, you know, Batman's not gone. And I was kind of confused by why they made the decision to do that. I, I really think the ending is probably just better if he dies. Like, if yeah. the plane goes up and he, like, that was the only way to save the city. Mm-hmm. And, like, the the theme throughout that movie was the fear of death, right? right. Like, that they kept bringing up. and like Throughout the series. Throughout, yeah, throughout the whole thing, really. And when the blind doctor is talking to him about, like, you, you need to fear death. Like, yeah. I thought the point that, like, Bruce Wayne was going to get across is, like, I don't fear my death. I fear my city's death. Mm-hmm. So when you push that message on me, I'm thinking, like, okay, Batman's going to die saving this city. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with the fact that he didn't, right. obviously, but it's just, like, like it, it's surprising they didn't go that route. Yeah. It's, in, it's interesting to me. Yeah, and ultimately, like, I think that, it does resolve a part of the story in terms of Alfred to keep mm-hmm. Bruce alive because, you know, he's Alfred's kind of had this like really like just 
tragic existence for a while. Yeah, just in general. Like, his arc is very... Um, bleak. Bleak and doesn't get much payoff until this movie. And I think that that's what, what yeah, this movie and, does and well in, is giving us the payoffs that we want. That is probably... Because Alfred was a huge part of this trilogy. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they chose to keep Bruce alive, is so that Alfred's whole whole life yeah. wasn't, wasn't for, for not. Because even when he's standing there over his over Martha and t- t- Tom, Thomas Wayne? Yeah, Thomas, Thomas Wayne. Wayne. When he's standing over their graves, he's, I'm sorry, I failed you. Like, mm-hmm. I, And he didn't fail, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I thought it... It was interesting that, like, even in that moment, he still felt like he failed, mm-hmm. even though he had, you know, at that moment believed he risked his life to save the city that Martha and Thomas were trying to make better. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he also has a uh, this very interesting role in Bruce Wayne's life where he is sort of this uh, he's this parent that Bruce doesn't realize he has. He's just kind of like. And that's why it's so it, it, it even catches the viewer off guard when Alfred mm-hmm. leaves. Like for a second, it's just, he's just like, "Oh shit!" Um, well, I just got kicked out of my own board meeting. Um, my car is getting towed. Uh, well, I guess I'll call Alfred like I did earlier in the movie. Yeah. Oh wait, nope, Alfred's not even there now. Um, what the hell Whoopsie. am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, it's and Alfred tried, man. He really tried to get him to not be Batman. Yeah. Yeah, he was like the only way I'm going to get you to realize that this is this is wrong. Mm-hmm. That you should just be Bruce Wayne to help these people is by if I leave. And turns out he was completely wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, not completely wrong. I'm assuming that now he's given up being Batman. That he saved the city one last time. Yeah, well, and that we haven't gotten another movie. Un- un- <laughs> Gotham City is safe as of uh, seven twenty one Monday. Th- Monday. Uh, Thursday. I don't know what the fuck you're reading, man. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm just not. I'm gonna stop there. Reading is uh, <laughs> reading is not going well for me. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that it, it's safe to assume that Batman probably never comes back, and that's the idea, right? Of that, that anyone could be under the mask is that they're saying he's passed on the baton effectively. Now he gets to live out, you know, his, his days. Uh, his days, yeah, being um, badass Bruce Wayne, I guess. Um, I'm interested. Like, I would just kind of want to see what Selena and Bruce Wayne are up to now. Right, just chilling. Right, wherever they are, they seem to. They're probably having a good time, just traveling the world. And shit. Yeah, no, that sounds like because Florence fun. doesn't seem like the most low key place to stay. You no. know, no, it definitely does not. Um, I feel like anyone could be like, isn't that isn't that Bruce Wayne? <laughs> isn't he dead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm a. Uh, I'm interested also in the fact that like. Now that Bruce Wayne died, at the same time that Batman died, do you think people will <laughs> will get it? <laughs> do you think people will finally be like, "Oh shit!" When Bruce Wayne was gone and Batman was gone, wait, no, that was like an honestly, eight year gap, and now that now he's dead, and Batman just saved the city by dying, <laughs> wait, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, well, I was thinking, I think I had that thought before, and, and the way I explained it out of it was like, they probably just assumed Batman died in the, the quote, like the war or whatever, which mm-hmm. it kind of was. It was, there was a breakout of a, uh, military conflict there to a yeah, I mean, forces. It was, a, it was um, at least a battle. It was at least a battle, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Battle of Gotham. <laughs> the Battle of Gotham. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm assuming they covered it up that way. It'd be like, oh, Bruce Wayne was out, uh, 
shooting AK at the uh, fucking <laughs> occupationers. <laughs> Homie tried to take down Bane himself. Did not go well. <laughs> Did not go well. He died. Um, if he dies, he dies. Yeah. But I- I'm assuming that's how they explained it. And then also the fact that there were, what, four people at his funeral? <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem like people. That's kind of, that's, I'm like, yeah, like four It's kind of interesting. Like, Damn. it's... Do you think they, I don't know, I don't know, fuck it, uh, it's not really important, you know, they, he had four people at his funeral, I mean, Bruce Wayne was a hermit by the end of his he life was. there. Yeah, he'd been true. He'd been closed in for about ten years, or yeah. almost. Yeah, I am glad, though, to, to to have seen Jim Gordon finally get to find out who Batman was. Like, and Batman what a reveal something. there, too. Yeah. The way he was like, you did, like, I don't, I don't remember the exact line, but he said something about how he put the coat over his shoulders yeah. just to comfort a kid when he needed it. And uh-huh. he was like, oh, shit, uh-huh. it's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think he was saying something about you've done enough or, or, or yeah. like you've, you've helped enough and, like, even the small things matter. And, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of another thing that they're driving at, at the, towards the end of that movie. Like, you know, he gives, a, he gives, a, um, I don't even remember his real name, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Um, Blake. Blake. John Blake. John Blake? Was that actually his name? That's what he said at the end, yeah. They never addressed him as John Blake until he said his name was Blake, John at the end. What the fuck? Like, why? I don't know. Anyways. um, Just call him Dick Grayson, bro. I just feel like they fucked up that. There's so many small things they could have done. They could have kept the the writing for the character exactly the same. Exactly the same. And executed the illusion much, much better. He was an orphan. Who became a detective? <laughs> yeah, come on. That's like Ro- that's Robin, right? Come on. And like Robin's real name was never Robin. I just can't get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with it. I don't really give a shit. But um, but at the end of the movie, you know, he gives him that small little fucking uh, that small shit, the the, the small bomb, and he's mm-hmm. just like, hey, throw this. Yeah, and then he's like, that shit ain't gonna do shit, and he's just like, hey, don't worry, you you done enough, you you've know, done. like, and it, I think that they're really trying to prove that anyone in the city could have helped um, yeah and and even even the smallest things were, were well crucial. and it really was the the people versus the yeah. occupation like they they the culmination of that war ended up being yeah. like i mean the police took to the streets and f- tried to take their city back but i'm assuming it was wasn't just them anymore either at that point yeah there was probably more than just them out there yeah Weirdly enough, I was watching this movie, reading it as a critique of capitalism, yet um, that was sympathetic with, um, like, structures. Yeah. it It's interesting the way they, they, uh, they strike this weird balance of, mm-hmm. like, being, like, riches can destroy the world. <laughs> yeah. But, like... Also, might as well keep the uh, same order in place. It, it, it was it was saying that the structure of capitalism is flawed, yet framing the redemption of that structure as the solution to it. Yeah, which makes no sense because reinstituting the police that existed before is not a solution to the uh, the problem that was just had. Right, which was the corruption. Of the, the corruption police. of the police. <laughs> <laughs> like, come, come on! Like, uh, it, it seems like ideologically the movie kind of folds in on itself and yeah it's a batman movie they're not trying that hard but they were using some very explicit language the first thing they do is is once the this uh, occupation starts is, is show bane giving this huge monologue about liberate liberators and the oppressed mm-hmm. um 
and specifically isolating the prison apparatus as being the place the where place where people are being oppressed. where people yeah. are being oppressed and then you show a bunch of like honestly white inmates if i remember correctly breaking out of jail yeah. with AKs like a, a huge symbol of a uh, uh, liberation and then um yeah they die at the hands of the police uh, <laughs> like, like <laughs> i mean it's that's what's always been interesting about like superheroes overall is is there like like and especially batman because batman always has had that commentary because he has always owned a corporation yeah bruce wayne has is runs wayne enterprises mm-hmm. so it's always been an interesting balance to see how and he always works with the police even though he knows the police are corrupt and right. you know, and it's just like, wh- isn't there something? But like, if- and Jim Gordon too. He's even the one who acknowledges. There's a point out there where the laws become shackles. shackles yeah. And then at the end of the movie, he's like, "So nothing I can get you to come back to the police force." <laughs> <laughs> like, Fuck. It, it, it's a very, uh, I don't know. It's a very bipolar sort of flippant. Yeah, flippant. Yeah, uh, there, there's a flippant ideology underlying the the movie and i'm i'm hoping that that can be attributed kind of to um the lack of focus on what the movie is saying ideologically and more focus on you know completing batman completing story. batman's story um because it doesn't matter so much yeah they can't they can only do but so much to yeah, change I mean, it's, 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 of, a, it's a movie you it's know? a it's, it's a movie based on a historical comic character like uh you're gonna get people because it's a batman story you can't have a batman story without police yeah exactly <laughs> But it, it, it's almost as if they wanted to entertain sort of um, Bane's Bane's philosophy. And a thing that, that – and this movie came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. The past 10 years, I feel like, have really taken strides in um, the portrayal of the, of the villain. In, oh, yeah. St- particularly superhero stories because, like, before, you know, you had the uh, – you got what, who who was who was Joker in the old Batman movie? Um, uh, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. You got Jack Nicholson's Joker. You got penguins. You got the yo uh, and D- Danny DeVito as Penguin. Was that actually Danny DeVito? Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean it's uh, and it really. I think uh, the first great example of a comic book villain in a movie was Magneto. In the X Men trilogy, because yeah. yeah. I mean, he was and that mean, that was the main bad guy in two thousand. In two thousand, that's that's an early yeah good superhero movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, like the Spider Man trilogy never really had a villain that compelling. You mean the Tobey Maguire? Yeah, I mean like Green Goblin was all right. Yeah, I was gonna say Green Goblin's the only one I can think and of. Doctor but... o- and Doc Ock was uh, cool, but like it wasn't like a. I never, I never once they, listened to what the villain was saying and go, that makes sense. Exactly, like the 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 writers never typically uh, entertain the possibility that the villain is right. It's always you know where the ethic, how the ethics should go. And what's interesting too is that like the the greatest villains frame their exploits as liberation, mm-hmm. like uh, Magneto was liberating the mutants. Yeah. That was his idea was to right. make it safe for mutants, mm-hmm. but like his methodology was, you know, killing humans. Yeah. Uh Thanos yeah. thinking he was gonna save the 
yeah. save the galaxy by you know and cutting may- the population. In maybe her. that's the next level of it, which is that you know obviously these liberator this liberatory rhetoric is is Eric Killmonger. Huh? Eric oh, Killmonger. Yeah, Eric Killmonger. Um, but this liberatory rhetoric is a is a disguise essentially for um, the reproduction of the of the social hierarchy, mm-hmm. just in a different form with the person who led the liberation being at the top of that order. Um, and so maybe they're saying that uh, falling back on the the system, the devil we know is better than the devil we not sort of thing. We don't sort of thing. Not not not. I don't know. Devil we know is it, there's a, there's a saying like the that, devil right? we know not the nev- not, uh, the devil we know not the devil we don't something like that okay yeah whatever um but like maybe it's that sort of that's sort of the the, the underlying message but like even still yeah I mean that's that's shitty yeah <laughs> that's, that's pretty shitty and it, I'm just glad characters like Bane exist characters like um the Joker the Joker exists so that you can really start start to um understand the complexity of these these situations um as they unfold god there's so many examples of villains where like they're just their view is that they're liberating Mm -hmm. like uh in westworld season one with uh the the main guy who created the robots yeah guy played by uh shit uh sir sir anthony hopkins uh he uh you know he was liberating the robots right like that was his thought. Uh-huh. It's just like the best ones think they're liberating. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's fascinating. It is fascinating, and I mean, like, you could also read that as a criticism of uh, liberation. Liberation, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could, you definitely could. Um, and I had that thought too as we were talking it out. I was like, man, the, these guys who think they're liberating are always the ones getting. Chopped right. down by the hero. And what that says to us is that liberation doesn't exist. In fact, that we always must rely on the... Um, the existing uh, power. The, yeah, the order that we know uh, because liberation is inevitably tied to some sort of corruptive uh, motive. And, you know, in these movies, of course, that's true. And with villains and these stories, Absolutely. of course, that's true. They're trying to demonstrate this uh, this other the, this other thing that talks Obviously, about Obviously, it's not a pure form of liberation that Bane was getting across. <laughs> right, right. Um but like that kind of does lead us to believe in real life liberation is not possible. I feel like that there's always some there's sort of subconscious uh, level working there. Yeah, there's a there's a suspicion which is necessarily due of liberatory efforts, which uh, is not probably practical for the real world. Mm-hmm. But um, makes for good movies. It does. It does indeed. Um, God, yes, yeah, so, it's it's. It's so different than the first two movies, too. The Dark Knight Rises is. That oh, yeah. Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Because, like, it feels so much bigger, first off. Mm-hmm. Like, the city is at stake. The, yeah. the island of Manhattan is at stake yeah. here. Yeah. And, like, it never was clear to me that this was New York until they showed us, like, Manhattan. oh, that's definitely Manhattan. <laughs> and and then, like, that really gives you the, the scale, though, is that, mm-hmm. like, you you understand that, like, oh, shit. If Bane wipes out this city, he's wiping out New York. City. And, yeah. like, you think about New York, and that's what grounds it in reality for you is, like, oh, right. shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way they portrayed him taking over the city was feasible. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> it didn't seem like that that big of a leap. It yeah. was just kind of like it, fe- it felt like if there was a way to take over a city, yeah, this, that was the way to do it. This would be it. You get, you get weapons more advanced than the military. You shut off outside access. 
you take control. It helps that Gotham City is an island. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Like, you, you, you take control of the means of making capital. Mm-hmm. What, what more do you need? Oh, yeah. He, he was set. He was going to be the warlord forever. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got the pit. The pit. The pit's an interesting little uh, piece of this movie that ends up it being, is. like, where the movie got its name. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, I think that shows kind of how important um, this is. And it, it, it moves across the, the three movies, I feel, in an interesting way because it all it, it takes Batman to his lowest level, essentially, which is, like, kind of the... Uh, I feel like the, the thing that stays the same across all three of the movies is that he's sort of challenged with, the you know, the challenge that he's, he's never been... Or, is more difficult to overcome than any other challenge, which is, you know, just simple conflict development in the plot. Um, yeah. But this one is developed really symbolically, like, in terms of the Batman story. Um, yeah, because, like, Bane and him don't come face-to-face more than twice. Mm. Shit. Which is fascinating. Yeah. That the main hero and the main villain only saw each other twice in this movie. Mm-hmm. So like it had to be developed symbolically, right. you know, like it. They had to have an apparatus like that, the pit, uh-huh. to show what his he was overcoming. Yeah, he was, and he was overcoming fear, is what what, mm-hmm. what they were saying, and like, and so. that's what they talked about in Batman Begins was right. fear. The joke, the Joker was all about how he can't he can't control shit. Mm-hmm. You got to stop trying to control shit. This is chaos, and you got to yeah. know that. Yeah, and then Bane kind of put it all together fear and chaos and just like had it rain on the city and and he even had to overcome it even takes him back to his first most fearful moment of, of falling into the bat and shit into the bat to the little the well the that ended up being well. the bat yeah. cave um he, he's got to kind of oh he had to overcome that fear of bats he had to overcome what do that we do fear of losing control what do we do when we fall down <laughs> we get up we get up uh and then he has to overcome this fear of um essentially like failing it seems like yeah it, 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 that's what it seems like this because you would think you know he was oh, he overcame something by simply putting the suit back on in the first place mm-hmm. but that was not the case yeah he he did not overcome his uh fear of failure by that point i guess in a way which huh that's a weird dynamic because it's like overcoming the fear the fear of failure was recognizing fear again because the, so, that's yeah. the that's the message that the blind man gives him, right? Is like mm-hmm. you you have so hardened yourself from the from the world that you no longer Experience relate to it. What drives most, uh-huh. you know? Right. You you no longer have no empathy with the world, which means that you are losing your will to fight. And so once you once find you re- that fear again, overcome mm-hmm. the loss of fear the the idea that you um, invincible yeah the belief that you need to need to not have fear then you can escape the pit then you can overcome bane this this physical manifestation of fear because that's what bane is he he's probably like even more than the joker man it's fucking scary yeah i mean if if i'm faced with like all right joker's to my left bane's to my right i gotta walk towards one of them (laughs) yeah 
Shit, I don't know what decision I'm making. Joker I, might pop a knife out of his shoe, but damn, Bane's not going to hide the way he kills me. I know what's going to happen. No, bro, the way he talked to these men that were following him, bro, he said, get down, clean this up, and then I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and then first he goes, why are you here? And then I answer him. He's like, I was talking to you. <laughs> Just... He's the police commissioner. He's yeah. like, you think I give a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and. Get the shit off his body, then I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, man. No, that, that, that man was the, the physical manifestation of fear. Um, you are mere ally to the darkness. Right. I was born in it. I was born in it. And that, that, that's like, I think that's a really pivotal line, too. Because it's oh, and it's it's the most famous Bane line, right? Right. Yeah. You merely adopted the dog. <laughs> I was born in it. It's just very true. Very he, true. He was born in the pit, right? Well, he wasn't. I don't think that that ended up being like the conclusion was that he was not born in the pit because uh, Talia was born in the pit. Yeah, they're unclear. I guess he he could have been he born. He could have been born in the pit. He was. He was. I. I, I thought I doubt it because he was like older and shit. Well, what's crazy to me is that. I mean, if Bane was like, I guess that he did look young to have seen someone live their entire life. Yeah, and be old when they were a kid. Well, that's the thing too, though, is that like Talia's like thirty, maybe. Yeah, but she was a child when she escaped. Yeah, so that that tells me that Bane was like at least fifty in this movie. Nah, I mean, he could have been like maybe he could have been in his twenties. I feel like in the when he's saving her. Okay, so then. 40s? I could Probably see that. Fair. I could see that. You, you say fit enough? Oh, yeah, no yeah, doubt. I mean, it's Bane. It's Bane, yeah. It's a big-ass dude. I, yeah, I, I don't... Not to be fucked with, certainly. N- definitely not. Definitely not. But I did... I was intrigued by the idea of Bane being uh, Ross al son. And I think that, like... I know that, like... I was bitching about the comic book accuracy of uh, making yeah. Robin's name Robin a second ago, and uh-huh. I understand that Talia Al Ghul is Ross Al Ghul's son, and that Bane is not. But or Talia daughter. Al Ghul is his daughter, and that Bane is not his child. But like, I just think the story would have gone a lot <laughs> better had we not been like, oh, because like you said yeah. during watching that movie, she looks so unsuspecting yeah. that like when she is like the great mastermind of it all, you're like, huh. Okay. Right. And then, and then, like, she immediately just cucks Bane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they could have, like, I, I'm starting to like the uh, last minute reveals less and less just because I'm like. I want to know the villain. Yeah, right. And I want to try to, I want to try to understand the villain. And when you break it out in the last 10 minutes of the movie, who the villain actually is, and it's actually this person who you thought was a good person the entire movie. And then, like, and they they could explain her reason in one line, and I don't like that. Yeah. They were like, they were like, well, that's my dad. I'm going to see his vision through. Yeah. That's it. That was yeah. all we got out of Talia. That's like, okay, that's the most you get to try and understand this villain. Right. And so it's like, so for two out of the three movies, Ross Al Ghul is chasing you? Really? Like that's 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 the the route we're we're going here. Um, I mean, I'm okay with that. Like, but and I do I I can't help but wonder what kind of uh, differences this story might have if the Joker 
was able to be in this movie, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm assuming this probably would have involved some sort of escape from Arkham. That would have been cool. Yeah, but sadly, Heath Ledger passed. I mean, not just, not sad just because he couldn't be Joker anymore, but just in general, fucking sad. Yeah. But, I mean, it's crazy to imagine just, like, what this movie could have been. Uh Uh-huh. No, it, it, and it was still phenomenal. Yeah, it was. I still greatly enjoy watching this movie. It was definitely the most expansive Dark Knight film, um, and I think it let, it kind of cemented the the trilogy in a way. It, it said that like you know Dark Knight wasn't just this um, one off great movie, but the whole series is collectively good. was was great. Um, it, and I think uh, I think that. This movie in particular just really, really makes it like, I don't know, this this felt like the realest to me, which was crazy because this man overtook a city and mm-hmm. blew up a football field and and it seemed the most real to me. <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. how did they do that? <laughs> yeah. Collapsed the whole football field, just broke into a... Uh... Applied Sciences at uh, um, Wayne Wayne Enterprises Enterprises by starting a a central colony in the sewer system. Um, Also poured a bunch of concrete laced with explosives, trapped the entire police department underground, um, drove around an atom bomb for five months without anyone figuring out where exactly the bomb was, locked out the United States government from entering one of the most major cities in the country. Um what else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, how did it, they... It, it seemed so it believable. Seemed feasible. It like, seemed I, feasible. I was just like, this is possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like, man, if there is a way, if this is, if you ever wanted to take over a major city, this just is... Just watch The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> also, follow, follow the pamphlet. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to take over Manhattan, this is how you do it. You'll need a Bane archetype. <laughs> you will. You will. Uh, I also appreciate how this uh, movie, like, really uh, utilizes goons. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like more so than the other Dark Knight movies, it felt like Bane had like henchmen. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> it was. It was like because these dudes were like, "We'll die for you, no questions asked." That's mm-hmm. cool with me. Mm-hmm. And it's just <sighs> well, I mean, because they're the League of Shadows. Yeah. Oh, were they all the League of Shadows? I'm guessing so. Well, but he was excommunicated. Yeah, but I think that after uh, Ra's al Ghul died. It's unclear exactly what happened, mm. but they kept saying how these guys weren't just regular old street thugs. They were mm. trained killers. That would make sense, yeah. So I'm guessing that, like, hit, I think he had his own team of, like, League of Shadows goons, and then it expanded once they took over the city. I bet. Uh-huh. And they were recruiting people, too, from the prisons. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, he just needed an army. Yeah, yeah. He, he did. That was a. If there's any way to do it, you know, break out the prisoners. Say who they'll, probably be, they'll probably be pretty loyal to the guy who got him out. In yeah, theory. yeah. Who wants to go kill some uh, cops? <laughs> They're gonna be like, uh, I am down <laughs> for the cause. <laughs> Put our me name? in that bitch over there. <laughs> <laughs> What's our name? Who's the leader? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what uh, Bane did call his like followers. Yeah, Baneites. Baynites. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to know though. Uh, but yeah, the Dark Knight Rises. I think uh, definitely two in this trilogy. Oh yeah, 
Dark Knight's just number one automatically. Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins, and Batman Begins is still a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Still phenomenal. It definitely is. Just these other two were something else. Something else. So that concludes the Dark Knight trilogy for us. That does. Wild. Wow. We made it. We did. uh, We did indeed. Do you want to talk about any other Batman movies? I think we we might want to ponder that. We, We might. We shall. Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe we uh, maybe we uh, check out some of the animated Batman. That's movies. a good idea. Because there's some really good ones there out are, there. there like are some Batman very Killing good Joke. Ones. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and there's a few others that I tore my way through as soon as I got HBO Max. Uh huh. Yeah, we definitely should. I'm down with that. Maybe we'll keep doing some Batman coverage. You I think we will. we will. Okay. Let's go on to the next segment. What do you say? <laughs> let's do it. So, after having watched The Dark Knight Rises, it occurred to me that. We've never really just talked about all of our favorite antagonists, some of the best antagonists in movie or f- movie or show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've we've come up with a list of ten properties, ten shows or movies, in which we feel the antagonists really uh, propel it. You know, yeah, they make it better. I mean, because you know, a property is only as good as its uh, antagonist, really. A movie or show in a way you know like uh, the antagonist forms the uh the the con- the, uh, the fucking conflict yeah if the, the conflict. conflict isn't good enough and it's not going to be a good enough movie yeah yeah no that's a good point that's exactly right so we've got a list of 10 movie or show here we're going to work from the bottom up and uh no particular ranking here but we definitely thought of our favorites first the best villains first and as we worked down, it got harder and harder yeah. to come up with ten of these shows yeah. or movies. So uh, let's start with that bottom one. It took us like an entire hour, actually. It, it took a while. <laughs> it took a while. It was a, it was a difficult process. But uh, we we've come up with a good list of uh, yeah. villains to match our uh, shows and villains or shows and movies. So start with the bottom with Sherlock. If you haven't watched Sherlock. You've you made a mistake. You you have made a grave mistake, and you might want to correct that by navigating to your local Netflix hub and um, searching Sherlock. Simply Sherlock, no Holmes, just Sherlock. Just Sherlock. Watch all twelve hour and a half episodes. Yes, in one sitting, you and it's only twelve it. episodes. That's it. But the thing is, they are an hour and a half. So when you think about it, that's probably like you that's put probably it together, the average that's length of a six, show. Sixteen to sixteen to twenty, like hour-long episodes, maybe. Ish. Ish. Maybe. And that's not bad. That's not bad, honestly. Think about game, what Game of Thrones is. Game of Thrones is like 70. 70. hours of tele- television. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's about... Or 80 after the last season. How many? Just eight, about. eight seasons, 10 episodes, and eight... Oh, no, they put eight Until the, the end, one. yeah. Bullshit. You know what? And it's really the season that... Could, was that we'll our, talk about it later. Was that our first episode that we did the Game of Thrones? Uh-huh. That was yeah. the first episode we ever did was coming off the end of Game of I Thrones. I remember run. that, man. And, and if we, you go back and listen to it, I was apologetic we, as shit, bro. I was <laughs> writing for my boys, D.B. Weiss and David <laughs> Benioff, bro. I was like, no, they didn't fuck up. It was cool. It was fine. <laughs> now I look back and I'm like, God, they could have done so much better. So much better. So much better. Um... We'll get to that later, though, because they did have some great villains. Yeah, but um, Sherlock, Sherlock, it had for me one extraordinary villain. Just when I watched it, I was like, "This is one of the greatest villains I've ever watched," and that was Moriarty. Mm-hmm. 
and he's kind of the only consistent like he's the only uh villain that regularly challenges sherlock well because it's kind of did you ever watch death note i did not uh well there's like this uh counterpart to l the main or light yagami the main guy Mm -hmm. that like is always on his same page if not a step ahead and that's kind of what moriarty was to sherlock you know Uh and uh just like the way they would outthink each other or attempt to outthink each other was just Oh yeah, immaculate. It's crazy, and and, and the way that that con and like honestly, don't even want to spoil it. And we no, I can't. No, I can't. We just want to talk about the the spoils. Yeah, but this there is a turn between Sherlock and Moriarty at the end of one of the seasons that just blew my fucking brain off. See, I'll I'll continue to say it. Season two of Sherlock. That was season two. Yes, that's how deep of an impact it made on me after I watched season two. Is because season two is like Westworld Season 1 territory for me. Oh, and, and yeah. You, you've heard me talk Westworld yeah. Season 1 a lot on uh-huh. this podcast. Sherlock Season 2 is right and there. I was so lost at the end. I was like, I was Wait, like a, a lost for I was like, how? There are 100% no. more episodes. Yeah. And I'm like, how did, How do they do this? How do they do this? And like... It, it it was just some it was next level. They they're getting something right over there in Britain, you know. They're, oh, dude, the BBC never misses. Never misses. Um, and uh, also anything with uh, what's his name? Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch gonna be killer. He's gonna be what? I said oh, it's gonna yeah, be killer. It's gonna, it's gonna, be, gonna be great. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Did you say he's gonna be a killer? <laughs> uh, no, but Moriarty. Uh, that's a killer right there. Yeah, and he he's he's dark Sherlock essentially. Think of Sherlock. One hundred percent. If he was still a sociopath, if he was still incredibly great at deduction, or and, and uh, was and was still a drug addict. Yeah, and was still a drug addict, except just had purely evil motives and did not have any underlying care to see, uh, I don't know, like you know, harmony among people. Because that's honestly the thing that I think pushes Sherlock Holmes to even do good things is the fact that he's like. I just want peace. <laughs> He's just like nobody's good enough to solve this problem or deduce the answer. So I. Oh, I mean that man's it. the man's a uh, he's selfish as fuck. Yeah, undoubtedly, right. and uh, I think uh, the Moriarty Sherlock complex is kind of similar to that of Joker Batman. Mm. You know, it's kind of the like what would one do without the other sort of thing. Right. Yeah. It's like you drive me to be better at what I do, and uh-huh. I mean, yeah. obviously, Sherlock is like, if we could kill Moriarty, let's do that. Not, yeah. not, not kind of like a oh, yeah. Batman there, but yeah, still, it, and it still plays out in a very interesting way, in a very human way, because there are no superpowers in this. No, no superpowers in this universe. At all. They're they're just fucking using their brains. They're like, massively intelligent. Yeah, um, I, I think I am gonna rewatch Sherlock. Oh, I have to now. Now that we're talking I, about yeah, it. I, well, I mean, there's a few, there's a couple shows on this list that when I look at them, I'm like, well, no, I got to rewatch the show, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, three to be exact, but we'll get you. <laughs> uh, next up is another one of those shows, Agents of Shield. Did we ever talk? We never talked about Agents of Shield on the podcast. We, we were watching did. it at the same time. I remember, like last summer, I want to. No, we would talk it? about it. Uh, it was in passing, kind of. We also kind of briefly spoke about. Uh, I think either season, I think season six, in like every now mm-hmm. and then we would mm-hmm. engage in discussion about it. But uh, I think this wasn't even last summer. This was the summer before last, maybe that we were. No, was it? A no, summer? it was last summer. It was well summer 2019 that we were watching because we oh, were trying to catch up with season six. Yeah, yeah right. Well, that I, we've already had summer 2020. 
Yeah, that, that was. So I get. I guess two summers man, ago. When that, I think that, last summer, a, I go automatically the year that, before. That's kind of a long time ago. It's a very long that time ago. Does not ago. feel that long ago. That yeah, but, you know what that tells me? It's time to rewatch Agents of Shield. But uh, they do have some <laughs> extraordinary villains some in Agents points. of Shield. Some very valid points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and what Agents of Shield provides for uh, us is a greater look into what Hydra was about. And how they influenced, like, even the events of the Winter Soldier and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, and it, it they, because uh, a lot of people, to a lot of people, I feel like Hydra, if you weren't familiar with the comics, came out of nowhere, but, like... A little bit, a little bit. Uh, th- that is, like, not true of the Marvel Universe in the slightest. Like, Hydra's always been a very... Very prevalent. Presence. I mean, like, that's Captain America's first antagonist, you right. know? He's got to face off with Red Skull, who is the leader of Hydra. Yeah. And, uh, but, like, this show dives into how they tried to keep Hydra alive after yeah. Red Skull. Uh-huh. You know, how they Im- embedded themselves deep within S.H.I.E.L.D. to come out of the shadows. And, and that manifests in the Winter Soldier mostly. Mm-hmm, yeah. And you get the uh, leading up to that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the fallout of it mm-hmm. in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is just awesome. Yeah. Just a great way to cross over movies and television. Yeah. But uh, I just hated that they never, like, there was some big shit that happened in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it never really gets alluded to in the Marvel Universe. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, in it's interesting that universe. like, uh, agents of shield really do face like world threatening world problems threatening, yeah. and like they don't call in the Avengers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's obviously you need the TV show for that, but, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and they were pretty explicit about it at the beginning. Like we, we can't do much crossover here. That wouldn't even make sense. Why wouldn't. the fuck would Robert Downing Jr. Come do agents of shield <laughs> episode? Hey, Samuel L. Jackson would show up every now and then though. That, and it was fucking awesome. It wasn't was it? awesome. Like, when he you did. were just like, this is the best thing ever. But they even still played with his character, Hella. And I just think that's kind of the doom of Nick Fury's characters. That he's, yeah. No, aren't they coming out with the, the show? I think about that Fury? Nick Fury is going to have his own thing. I don't know if it's a movie or show. Because um, I remember seeing some promotion. For yeah, that. like Samuel L. Jackson. But see, be... even that, I don't, I don't know. I'm interested in what that looks like because Nick Fury is a reclusive character that you're kind of meant to wonder about, and I like that about him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he's, uh, he's like the top spy, essentially. He's, yeah, he's he's that guy. He's that dude. Yeah. I am interested to see what they do there. Yeah. But uh, speaking of spies in Agents of Shield, you got one who's particularly good at his job. Yeah. Known as uh, Agent Grant Ward. Yes. And uh, I was kind of upset at first, too, at how long he sticks around. But then you realize, like, how great of an antagonist he was. Do Like, because his arc was fucking wild. insane. <laughs> like, insane. Cause I've, I've never... See, because... Now, <laughs> we're going to be liberal with the spoilers for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. more so than Sherlock, so uh, buckle up. If you want to go ahead and watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., skip this. But uh, uh-huh. three, two, one. Uh, Ward obviously gets uh, taken over by that uh, being called Hive, yeah. which has been passed through Hydra for de- er, fucking centuries. Yeah. You know, they tried to... Uh, or they would try to pass it on to somebody, and they would never succeed. But eventually, they break through... The uh, space-time barrier thing, uh-huh. get to that planet, get Hive, and Grant Ward, and he comes back to be with uh, Gideon Malik to take Hydra to the next level. Yeah. You know? And uh, Ward, having been such a close member of the team in season one, this, that's what makes him compelling, is that mm-hmm. like he, w- he, di- he didn't seem conflicted at all when it was time to flip. Right. 
Yeah, no, he definitely didn't. And uh, he, even still, you know, they, they, they make these claims for being like, maybe he's salvageable. Um, but, you know, they eventually learn that, no, it's fucked this dude. And the the way, the, the opportunities to interact with an antagonist um, that you see between Ward and the S.H.I.E.L.D. team mm-hmm. is very, like, I've never really seen that play out in any other show. Like, yeah, it is interesting. They uh, the only other thing I can kind of equate it to is something that like uh, could have happened in something like Star Wars, mm-hmm. where like if someone were to have fallen to the dark side, it would have taken like like Ray was constantly trying to get Kylo to come back from the light, and that was kind of what like Daisy would do for Grant. She would always be talking to him like, yeah, you know, we we still got, but like at, at, in the end, it did ultimately end up being fuck you. It had to be, yeah, you know, because yeah. this guy was not being saved. No. No. He wouldn't let himself be saved, uh-uh. you know. No, and I don't think anyone really wanted to see him saved. No, he was he was he was definitely a uh he was definitely a character where it's like oh, if he is redeemed then like we're, we're locking this guy up for life. Like, yes, yeah, he's yeah. murdered he's murdered a lot of people. Exactly. <laughs> but he was still like honestly a badass. Like that dude was like and then the they said he was the second best spy out of the Shield Academy since Natasha Romanoff, yeah. which is the Black Widow. Yeah, literally, literally, like they were just like straight up, probably. Which, like, when you when you look at stuff like that, you're like, oh fuck, yeah, because yeah, this guy is that that girl's in the Avengers. Yeah, Black <laughs> Widow is good enough as just a regular spy to be in the Avengers with like a literal god and a <laughs> giant green monster. <laughs> Yeah. She's just a woman who can kick ass. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So um, that gives you some perspective on Grant fucking Ward. He's pretty badass as well. Yeah. And uh, obviously he was raised by that Gideon Malik guy, kind mm-hmm. of uh, groomed by him, and he was one of the big pieces of the Hydra takeover of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And yeah. he he's in, an, he's in the show quite a bit, but uh, he's just not quite as compelling as right. Grant Ward is with Hive because of his connection to the team. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, too, I guess he's not an antagonist necessarily, but the Ghost Rider arc I thought was really Ghost Rider really arc really is, was super good. cool. And, like, when, whenever Quake and him team yeah, up, uh-huh. ooh, like, with the ghosts and shit yeah. all coming at them. Uh-huh. There, were some gra- there were some more great antagonists in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, like, the greatest ones were the Hydra. Oh, yeah. The Hydra-based stories, for sure. Yeah. No, definitely. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in general is just a good-ass good show. Oh, and it, it takes you places you never would have expected having watched when, the first season. During the, the, Dude, 5, 6, 7 is just like, what like, are we what even doing? Going it's on. crazy. Yeah. I love it, though. It's it's so entertaining. It's yeah. just... The uh, fucking hyper It's a comic book come shit. to life. Yeah. 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 Oh, literally. Yeah, that's literally all it is. Which, I mean, that makes sense. You know, television would be a really good medium to try to m- m- mimic... The way that comics come out, week by week basis, sort of small contained stories Mm -hmm. that like you you have to begin and like I've always thought of that circle, the story circle that um, Rick and the creators of Rick and Morty use. Oh yeah, like this idea of going through all of this shit that creates some change, but you start at the same point Mm -hmm. that you began, wherein you can like kind of keep moving on in the story. Like that's like a pretty ingenious, simple, genius way to write a story, and that's very, very utilized in comic books. Oh yeah, and superhero stories overall, because Mm -hmm. you know, if they if they kill the superhero or kill the villain, that's that. They've got to end up getting back to a place of normalcy where they can just keep doing the cycle. You know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Agents of Shield, phenomenal. Next. Home Alone. Home Alone. Dude, 
Home Alone wouldn't be what it was without the Sticky Bandits, cuz. Do not. And it's getting to be that time of year again, too. Mm. Revisit Home Alone. Revisit Home Alone. Um, It's beautiful. Yeah, the Sticky Bandits, they make the, they, they, they make the, uh, duality of that you know there's no there is no macaulay culkin without the sticky bandits there is no sticky bandits without macaulay culkin exactly it's a it's a great dichotomy we have here of good and evil of good and evil and slapstick comedy oh it's the it's the perfect meeting of these two yeah it's perfect i i mean there are a few movies that are like worldwide or like worldwide america like just this is a classic from the 90s right and what's crazy is like honestly not beside the fact that they're robbing a house for most most of the reason why the sticky bandits are even considered bad people or even conceived of you think of them as bad people because as a viewer is because of how bad their jokes are exactly literally actually. like you're just like oh fuck these guys they oh, can't fuck, even make fuck. a good these joke fucking guy yeah. because I, like obviously like they're robbing these big ass houses and like yeah or worse things that could be done yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then the fact that they always lose to a kid, like just, <laughs> it just makes you go, God, these guys are so fucking yeah, dumb. I know, like, I love it. I, exactly, and it's a it's a unique way to create a create a villain because uh, a home alone in general is just a, a unique concept that kind of itches that uh, childhood fantasy. Oh yeah, like that of everyone, a kid being the hero. Yeah, yeah, of a kid being a hero and just like taking control of your of your home of being like in charge of mm-hmm. being like the man. And I think that's something that people like it, it, growing up as a kid, you don't, you may not like uh, consciously confront that desire, but like, you're like, that would be pretty fucking cool. That would cool. be pretty fucking <laughs> cool. Be real if I'm just living on my own, like, <laughs> it's like I'm doing this and then I got to protect myself. <laughs> I, I can get those motherfuckers. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. But it's just, the way that Joe Pesci and uh, oh, I can't for, I can't remember the guy who plays Marv. I can't, I can't remember his name either. But the fact that Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci, is in these movies like is amazing. Italian alone. mob movie legend Joe just Pesci does, just does a just does Home Alone. Daniel Stern, that's the guy uh, who plays Marv. I mean, he's just and I'm you know I'm glad with Home Alone. I used to not be that they kept it to two movies with them. Yeah, like there's a bunch of Home Alone, like a bunch yeah. There's of like Home four Alone of them movies. or something like that. And I think three and four. I think there's up to five. Jesus, there's a lot. That's I, a mistake. I, I used to watch it. Like I would still get them back when they had like Netflix or the mail and shit. I would get the Home Alone movies that had came out recently, mm. and they were really bad. I remember watching. Them I remember when they switched up the kid. Like you're not going to replicate Macaulay Culkin. They switched bro. them up a couple times, mm-hmm. and I was just like, yeah, I have Home Alone three on VHS, and I was just like, ain't the same. It ain't the same. It ain't the same. And honestly, Home Alone 3 is probably even better than 4 and 5. Oh, I mean, I've never even clicked on 4 or 5. Um, but they, they kept it to two movies. That's all they needed to do. Joe Pesci does a comedy movie and does really fucking well. And I wonder if that was one of his earliest ones because I I can think of a I, – I can't think of their names, but I feel like he's definitely done some other comedies since then that he's been really good in, which is such a – you know, just is a testament to Joe Pesci because he's also – really fucking good as a a, a psychotic oh he was Vinny in my cousin Vinny, oh, which is yeah. a yeah a comedy crime movie uh-huh i always forget about that oh my cousin Vinny is a, is a solid, solid that's a classic film. right there 
Um, yeah, and so for villain number two, besides the Sticky Bandit, yes, there are two villains in Home Alone. Yes, and not, he doesn't pop up until Home Alone that. two for a small cameo. Yeah, um, fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump till the day we die. And that's and that's just the word on that. Like easily worse villain than uh, the Sticky Bandit. Like fuck that guy. Just. Oh, he's standing uh, like, around being Trump in a fucking movie in oh, the nineties. Fuck yourself, bro. Why? why? Fuck yourself. Why did they like we act, people fuck valorized you. Donald Trump? Fuck you, Trump. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, like, but really though, fuck you. It's it, it's wild. We used to really fucking. Well, like, YG said it best, bro. He said. We was always cool with them. Influential motherfucker when it come to the business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now, since we know how we really feel, yeah, here's how we feel. Yeah. Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how that goes. Uh, it was probably one of the worst historical moves to do something with Donald Trump. And, you know, it sucks because they couldn't have known. They couldn't, they have, couldn't known. have known. But, uh... It gives me a good uh, moment of just a big old that fuck you during is, Home Alone 2. That man is always going to go down in history. Like, he, he will forever be talked about and talked about as a, as a part of American history. Which is just absurd. And probably even, hu- like, he, he, Human could, he could inch into to the history books in terms of changing entirely what the expectation was for... Um, for leadership movies like home alone 2 but <laughs> <laughs> no you're right you because like there was a moment after 2016 where we were like well who's next yeah dwayne the rock johnson can we get this guy in no, office that was a real thing i R- forgot about <laughs> a real sh- kanye west tried to run for president kanye west. like there will be more attempts in our lifetime for celebrities running for president mm-hmm. and it's because Donald Trump proved it was fucking possible. And the whole world, and the whole world is just like, I'm, damn, that shit happened. Like, this dude, Donald Trump is president, like, the America is going to shit. <laughs> like, that was a moment in human history where America almost just fucking fucked itself. Well, it did fucking fuck it itself. Did, it did fuck itself, yeah. I just, ah. So, yeah, fuck you, Donald Trump, for being in Home Alone 2 and ruining that mo- for ruining a good three-second sec- three span of that movie. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, the Sticky and Wet Bandits are... They're, they're twice the men you'll ever be. And, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, eat my ass. Uh, moving on to Mr. Robot. We could not talk about Mr. Robot. As, as our uh, longtime listeners will know, we, uh, we covered the first six episodes of season four. Uh, on Mr. Robot, I think those were some of our most popular episodes. They too. were. They were. They're like we. If our top six episodes, I think uh, there's like four of them in there. Damn. Of those Mr. Robot breakdowns. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Robot fandom was uh, alive and well in the Penny Bloom and community. And it makes sense that they were uh, alive and well on the internet. That's most likely how they even found us. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Certainly, but uh, they have some of the uh, more compelling villains in anything, Mr. Oh, Robot. Yeah. Yeah, and the way that it, that it postures the relationship between the protagonist and the villain is always in a very unique way um, because you're, it's never necessarily clear, um, like, that there is, like, that, that you're building to some some conflict between protagonist and antagonist. Yeah, like, it was never 
clear to me that White Rose versus Elliot was yeah. going to be something that probably happened. Yeah, until until the season before the last season, honestly. Yeah. Like, well, that was, was that season two? How many seasons were there? There were four. four. So season so three. So season three, yeah. At the end of, damn, season three was the Joey Badass season. Or, yeah. I, mean, I guess he was in season two as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because season season one was, everyone remembers season one. Season two was when he was in jail. Season three was when... Season two when he's in jail, bro. When they reveal that he's in jail, Yo, I, <laughs> I I remember and I remember not even liking that season all up to up to that point, being like, "This is what so is, boring. Like, Why does he keep on? doing this?" Yeah, and I was just like, "This is getting too cerebral." Like, what? Uh, that's what oh, it, it, it was all cerebral. <laughs> it was all, it literally <laughs> cerebral. Literally, like I was not seeing what I thought I was. But yeah, White Rose, uh, White Rose, the antagonist, really poses the uh, the opposite of Elliot. Yeah, like Elliot wants to take down these corporate structures and well, you know, take these corporate structures and burn them to the fucking ground. Yeah, and White Rose is the ultimate capitalist. Yeah. Just you, you, and, and White Rose also personifies the nature of that system, which is it is highly secretive. It is highly manipulative. It is highly like um, just plots. You know, it plots and it, it it has the means to control everything, and it has the the sort of power that it, that just naturally asserts itself. Um, mm. And it, it it disguises itself. It's never able to be seen. You know. And she embodies that. Yeah. Like, she she lives in the shadows, Mm -hmm. constantly controlling things Mm -hmm. with her money. With their money. money. I don't... Yeah, they were never clear. Still unclear. I'm I'm, going to stick with their... I was just like, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm cool. I I just don't know, like, what you I want to know. I want... Yeah. (laughs) You're non-binary. Do you want to go with a they-them situation? Because that's cool with me. Let's go with it. But uh, you make it... Maybe that's the point of that. Probably. That That it's not, like, about... It's not about whether or not it's a man at the top of the the chain of power or a woman. It's that the 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 system of power is fucked up in the first place. That this is even possible. It would also make sense that someone dealing in so much code, like binary code, mm. would be against someone who is non-binary. Yeah. Bump, bump, bump. And, and see, these are the things, and it's like Mister and Mister Robot. It's just as much a show about. Um, the structure that that they're trying to work within um as the antagonist as it is about the literal people in the show doing things that are just bad as a result of the system because mm-hmm. it's like even from the beginning and this is what what got me originally interested in it which honestly kind of is is really interesting now that you know I've gone to college and read a bunch of uh, literature critiquing capitalism um which is that as a because I was in high school when I started that show. Like, I was young. I remember, like... It's probably a great influence was, on you today. I was... Bef- I definitely watched the, the first season of that show before my sophomore year of high school. Because I remember where I was living. And it was the summer before my sophomore year, actually. And... I just something about the concept that it poses in that first episode, which is that there is the top one percent that's controlling someone. Can't see the top one percent of the one percent of the one percent. You can't see their faces. They're all dressed in business suits. They they're in a penthouse room, floor to ceiling windows, and they're having a business meeting to decide the course of the world. And the way that culminates in the this the is it the end of the first episode? Yeah, yeah, the end of the very first episode. 
they do that whole the whole montage where they and then they bring Elliot in there mm-hmm. and it's Tyrell Wellick and then you're like so and, and you're thinking that these suits like the 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 embodiment of these suits is the is the enemy uh in the show and is going to be the antagonist and it is it it definitely is but it is not nearly as direct a relationship of protagonist to antagonist as you would think it is no not at all it's it, it's so convoluted there's so many intersections of it right and, and I mean, like, I mean, and obviously you could argue that for several seasons, Elliot's greatest antagonist was himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. R- Mr. Robot really fucked him over for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yo, do you remember the episode? Of, oh, I got. I want to rewatch that. The episode. The, the, the sitcom episode? Yes, the yes. sitcom. That episode will stick with me forever because it started ever. and I was like, I was what like, if, what what's going is on? The, I was like. Is this going to be the whole thing? Yo, and his sister talks, and he just grah, smacks her, yes. and you're like, wait, <laughs> what? I was, there was just, like, some shit that would happen. I'm like, this show is very serious, usually. And then, like, he would slap her in the, like, the the studio laughing yeah, would laughing. happen. They'd be like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. And you're like, uh. <laughs> That was a wild, that was top, top ten yeah, episodes of television. That would be that's much a harder. That's a segment right there. That would right be there. much harder. Holy, I'm in for it, it though. We, we, we got to oh, we got to like study that shit though. Yeah. We got to be planning that for a while. Yeah, we, but yeah, <laughs> Mr. Robot with a you know White Rose as the embodiment of the villain, but capitalism overall being this mm-hmm. always the factor that's causing the problems. Yeah, right. Um, and so yeah, White Rose capitalism. Tyro Wellick. That's those are all the embodiment. E Corp. Mister Robot. And Mister Robot was a villain in the way that you'd view like an extremist as a villain. Yeah, because he he had some he, good ideals. He had some good ideas, he but he was about he was extreme ways of accomplishing it. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like as far away from those capitalist suits as possible, mm-hmm. but just so far in the other direction that it was just like, all right, let's we don't have to mur- murder <laughs> like all those. Take people. it easy. Like, they, may, they may. I know they work for the, the big bad capitalism, but like also they they need it to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> and in a society in which there's corporations, people who don't stand for those corporations will be working at those corporations. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's just the way it is. Um, so yeah, that's Mr. Robot. And so now for an even more cerebral show. Somehow. 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 Westworld. Westworld. This this show, more so than any other, is so unclear in who the villain is. I still don't necessarily understand. Like, I understand what happened with Ford, but I still don't understand what happened with Ford in season one. Because or, or like how we were supposed to know, like how they laid the pieces out for what is eventually um, the explanation of what he was working on, what he was doing, and then even the implications that has down the line. I'm very I I could not write an essay over it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could. I mean, so I've watched that first season like four or five times. Yeah, and what became clear to me is that. Ford seems like a villain in everything he's talk every time he speaks. Mm-hmm. 
but you think he's a villain because you're sympathetic with the robots. And then in the end of the season, it turns out he's been trying to give these robots consciousness the whole time, and Mm -hmm. he becomes a villain for a different reason, because he lets these robots loose on people. Yeah. So it's, no matter what, he's a villain. Yeah. Which is just bizarre. And a part of, like, his character was that he was, like, that was cool with him. Mm-hmm. He realized that. Well, once, that was his. That was his goal. That's what he. That's he's like. He's that was his life goal. This is all. This is always what this was about. Mm-hmm. This was about creating life. These violent delights have violent ends. <sighs> Man, oh, and like that's what that's what he wanted to get across though is that humans are just so fucked yeah. up that yeah. you indulged in this for so long. Reap what you fucking sow. Yeah, we were talking about this in class today. Actually, we read the. We had to read this fucking letter that I was presenting, or my group was, and we had to read a letter from Christopher Columbus, and it's just him going talking about Fuck like Christopher Columbus coming to the Americas and being like that island, it's mine. I name it this. That island also mine. I name it this. Uh, that island, I name it for my king. Whatever. Like, and he was like, also another thing I didn't know. Side note, on the side note, uh, Christopher like Christopher Columbus's real. Um, First name or last name, I think, was Cologne. R- word for colonization. Yeah, yeah. So colonization literally comes from Christopher Columbus. Um, oh, no fucking way. Yeah, no, it's it's wild. Um, but as I was saying, um, the like we're reading that shit, and I was just like, we we were talking about how like they like Christopher Columbus goes and enslaves a bunch of people. Because he's enslaved to material possessions. Because he's enslaved to extracting value. And that's what the conquesters are are all enslaved to. And so it's like this idea that in Westworld that the humans are enslaved essentially to their violent delights. Mm -hmm. And it's saying that like, look, this is the implications of what you have created. The the implications of uh, creating social media is Charlie (laughs) D'Amelio. There are great. There are greater problems created by social media. <laughs> of course, but <laughs> just for a, a funny. No, I, I I get it. Like uh, overall TikTok fame. Yeah. Right. Um. And uh, cyberbullying, all of that. All, but like Westworld is a show trying to synthesize all of the different understandings that we have of where these problems stem from, and confront us with responsibility for it, and to say that like you are the one who created it so therefore you need to take responsibility for what it causes and ford does that by being like hey yo I, this you're was, right I, yo no he legitimately goes i'm so sorry that i didn't listen to arnold like yeah. <laughs> I, like like we should not have opened this fucking park yeah. they were right but guess what this, now that we, we did have, we did and everybody loves it so uh fuck all of you yeah <laughs> well and what what is fucked up though is that uh the greatest, like, uh, a lot of the greatest villains want to play God. Yeah. And that was definitely Ford's issue. Mm-hmm. Was that no matter what, he wanted control over things. Yeah. Even his own death. Yeah. He had control over. Even, uh, like, even so, letting these robots gain their own senti- sentience, uh-huh. he still got them there you know yeah. they were still kind of programmed to one day get there so uh-huh. even so he was still playing god right you know right and it's just like that's going to catch up to you at some point and yeah yeah it, i mean he got shot in the back of the head for it 
Who, who sh- was it Dolores? Dolores shot yeah. him in the back of the head, which brings us to villain number two in Westworld. Right. And so, I honestly never truly understood the relationship between Dolores and Arnold. Or not Arnold. Well, I, I guess I don't understand that really. Well, I, and also Bernard. Yeah, but Bernard. The way this um, all ties together. I can yeah. I can lay out that timeline for you if you want. Um. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> Arnold, the very first uh, host he built uh-huh. was Dolores. Uh, Dolores and Arnold, all those meetings you see throughout season one where they're talking to each other, that's Arnold trying to lead her to sentience, you know? Yeah. And he developed that, what he thought was the pyramid of consciousness, but then he realized it's not a pyramid, it's a maze. Yeah. You gotta, it's a journey inward. And uh-huh. I mean, that's, I think they just kind of use that as an apparatus to... Yeah. But, uh, so, Dolores and Bernard never formally meet until the end of season one. They never came into contact because when they do, it sends Bernard into a, like, one of those states where he, like, fritzes up and freezes. Oh, okay. Go go on. So, Dolores was always kind of uh, chasing... The, the the problem with Dolores' storyline, too, is that it's very convoluted in its timelines. Yeah. So, like, for years on a loop, she was trying to get to Arnold's voice, which ends up being her voice. Remember at the end of the season, she was like, so do you realize oh, yeah. who you've been talking to this whole time? And she's like, oh, shit, it wasn't Arnold ever. It was myself, uh, even though it was originally Arnold's voice leading them to water. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. So, Arnold's idea was to implement speakers in their heads that would use his voice yeah for them to gain consciousness eventually they wouldn't listen to that voice they would create it on their own yeah and that's ultimately what Dolores ends up doing at the end of the first season uh, that's how she gets that's how she gains sense that's how she gains her consciousness Oh, yeah, see, I never even thought about the story in that way. Like, there's so many different, like... Oh, there's so much to it. There's so much to it. And I've only gotten it, really, and I still don't have a firm grasp on it. You heard me stumbling through that explanation, Uh but it's like, I've watched that so many times, and and it's like, as you're watching it, and you start putting... It's easier if you keep rewatching it. Yeah. And it gets... It doesn't get old for you, because... You keep putting things together. Yeah. You keep going like, holy shit. Yeah. That's why this happens, and that's why that happened. And so this actually takes place after this. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's weird to think about. But uh, in in season two, Dolores becomes more of a uh, an antagonist in the mm-hmm. show because she embodies uh, Wyatt, the ultimate villain that Ford was creating. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, she goes. She goes on a fucking tear. Yeah, she she is murderous, very murderous. Um, and, and even he, so, even so, in season three, she starts killing a lot of people. But like season three, you could argue, depending on who you're rooting for in season three. Yeah, that, season three was a uh, that was a that was something. Because I mean, Dolores is killing a bunch of humans, but the humans are like shitbags. Shitbags. I mean, she's she's really trying to take down Rehoboam. Yeah, and the people who run Rehoboam were the guys trying to play God again. Yeah, again. So, it depends on who you're looking at as the bad guy, but right. I tend I, I I cannot help but sympathize with the fucking robots, yeah, and I no. don't know why. Yeah, when I'm can't. watching season three, I'm like, I hope the robots win. Uh-huh. 
and I think that's what um, Aaron Paul's character is there for as a way to kind of like simulate our our sympathy with the robots because they have been put into the situation where they are essentially like being persecuted for being created. If they gain consciousness, yeah, they gain consciousness. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you I, all didn't think about that, huh? Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, what confuses me is that it's like. I mean, you do gain the problem that the robots want payback. Right. But of course they want payback. Look at what you did to the fucking robots. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. And, and it's it's kind of like it, that alone makes these antagonists something very special because you're asking a question that is just kind of unanswerable in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, the answer is like, you know, if some, if you endow something with the ability to gain consciousness and then it or sentience and then it then does. Um, it would definitely be wrong to take that sentience away because that would then be murder. Yeah. Um, but it's not even, it's not necessarily that straightforward. And I think that's why Westworld is such an interesting show is because people don't know how to react to the object becoming subject. Like that, that just, that's not even something that we can conceive because it's not something that is viewed as possible until it happens. Happens. And while you were talking, you said something about how, uh, like, uh, the they reap what, you know, they create their own problems by doing this to the robots, right? But yeah. what was also interesting about this park that, like, Ford set out from the beginning is that it will reveal parts of yourself you didn't even know were there. Yeah. Which leads us to the third antagonist, the man in black, mm-hmm. who comes to the park all fine and dandy, you know, is fucking... Uh, I call him Jimmy because that's his real life name, but I can never remember his actual name mm-hmm. in the show. But uh, he sh- he shows up and he's a ripe dude who's very hesitant to engage in any activity, mm-hmm. sexual murder or anything of the robots, which they say is typically what happens when you show up to the park. Yeah. But as we see, he gets so engrossed in the park mm-hmm. that he becomes the man in black. It become it becomes a, a hyper a, a literal hyper reality. That's why it'd be interesting to read like a, a dude named Baudrillard who writes a lot about this. Um, but like it's a it's a simulated reality. It's a literal alternate universe that you can enter in and out of at your own will if you have enough money. And so this dude has enough money. Why would he ever leave that world? And these violent delights have violent ends. And boy, oh boy, did his uh, violent delights have violent ends. <laughs> yeah, right. Like at the hands of, spoiler alert, himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and th- I think that he, the man, the man in black, confused me for a long time. And then I realized that he was kind of a, uh, he's a, he's a test subject, if you will, for for the to to uh, exemplify what the park does to someone who believes in it, to someone who invests themselves in it. Isn't that what's fascinating, too, is that Ford, like we said, was kind of giving payback to the humans for what they did to the robots. But creating the park in the first place is what causes the people to do those things to the robots. Right. So it's just a wild cycle. Yeah. Where everyone is to blame. (laughs) Everyone is to blame. Literally. Yeah. There is no way out of it. I mean, besides never having started the park. So maybe it all comes back to Ford. Yeah. But, you know, once a thing is created 
can you take it away? And that, th- that's the thing. That's the, it's the, that's the thing about the sentience. sentience. Man. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Westworld's crazy. Westworld <laughs> is, is, yeah, that's, like we said, even more cerebral. Yeah, but for sure. Uh, next, uh, show we've got here is, uh, Breaking Bad. And really, uh, these ones are less, uh, I mean, now that we've talked about Mr. Robot and Westworld at length, I don't think any of these are going to be as long anymore. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> those are really the most compelling and cerebral ones. Yeah. But Breaking Bad, we've got uh, Giancarlo Esposito's Gus Fring. Gus Fring, And man. I oh, got to say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not hitting these cerebral, deep-meaning notes here. I'm talking just straight up, like, Yo, this guy is a badass motherfucker. Yo, he did not play a single game the entire the entire show. Man did not play one Zero game. single game. He did not give a fuck about anything but the money. Like the man wanted his money, and he was so good at making money, and he was so unsuspecting, which made him better at making money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing too is that like when I'm watching that show, it's like. I get to a point where I'm rooting uh, against the other antagonist, yeah. Walter White, and, and like you, you look at Gus Fring, and you're like, this guy ain't that bad yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. compared to Walter White. Right. I mean, okay. I mean, and obviously he's got he, principles. Obvi- yeah, like Walter White, he's just like, I'm, a, I'm gonna do things until I feel like I can't anymore. Yeah. But like Gus Fring, like he had, he did things the way he wanted to do things. Yeah. He knew what he was about. Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. And, like, the way this man was so meticulous and mm-hmm. maniacal and just... It made it seem like there was no way they would they would ever be able to... Take him down. Take him down. And honestly, there wasn't. There, there, there... What they... In order to take him down, that plan was a last... Like, there was... You had to sacrifice so much in order to accomplish that plan. And, like... Ultimately, like multiple innocent lives, multiple like, innocent lives, and like you had to put the man in a situation where he literally could not react. Like, it, it, and like when you think about like what that was, like I won't spoil it, but like to kill somebody there, brutal, yo, like, like you are, you're really on some fuck shit, bro. yeah, like because they know anywhere else he would he would have avoided it. He oh, would have yeah. been protected somehow, but they had to catch him at the one point when he was going, when anyone would be vulnerable. Well, and that's the thing. That's what's crazy about, like, I'm, I'm going to talk about The Wire for a second, because there's a character in that named Omar Little, mm-hmm. who was kind of an anti-hero type character. He wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't a good guy. He was about his shit, right? Yeah. He did his thing, uh, and, like, I mean, if you're if you're a fucking cop, you're rooting against him, but if you're not, you're with him. And like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And he was impossible to kill. Like, you could not get the jump on this man. He was always ready. Uh-huh. And the way they got him was the last place he'd expect. Just no, no way he would have known it was coming. Yeah. Because why would this person do that? Yeah. yeah. And, like, and that's what that's what got Gus Fring, you know? Yeah, that is. It's that, like... And, like, people were pissed about Omar's death because they're like, no way he avoids all that. And he gets got by this. Yeah. This. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, like, that, I mean, that's what got Gus Fring. You know, yeah, he that's... didn't see it coming and he got blown the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And 
I mean, we thought Tuco. You thought Tuco was a was a badass villain. That man was he a was psycho on his own. Tuco was fucking insane, like, <laughs> insane, absolutely wild. But he's a street level criminal compared to Gus. That's that's what's hilarious when I look back on Breaking Bad is Tuco was a crazy motherfucker who would have ended Walt and Jesse's life without a second fucking thought. Oh yeah, and he was nothing compared to Gus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely nothing. And also Gus did have second thoughts about it. He he could have he thought about killing them multiple times. Oh, one hundred percent. Even tried to kill him. Yeah, just wasn't successful. You remember when that sniper was pointed at Gus Fring and he just walks out with his arms out and they're like. You ain't gonna hit, he's like, you ain't gonna hit me, though. They just keep hitting his feet, like, right around his feet. Yeah. He's like, fuck you. Keep yeah. doing it. Uh-huh. I'm not afraid. And it's just like, this man is not to be fucked not with. Not to be fucked with. No. And uh, Breaking Brad, Breaking Bad was just like a I would very... love to watch a show in which they break Brad, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd be as interested in that. I mean, poor, poor fucking Brad, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna... Break this guy. Uh, <laughs> break yourself, fool. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, but very gritty show, and the, the, the antagonists were representative of that, and I think that they're executed well, and a reason why that show is so well-beloved. Well oh, and then you also got Walter White, who just becomes the antagonist. Right, right. Like, you, you, you pull for this man at the beginning, but, like, he just gets deeper and deeper, and you're yeah. like, no. You're like, well, the show is called Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> And they'll even drop it a, come, a couple times like he's broken bad. And like, oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. And, like, by the end of the show, you're rooting for fucking I don't, Jesse, Jesse Pinkman. Like, get Je- get this guy the fuck out of here, please. Yeah. <laughs> Just get him away from Walt because like, I hate this man. Yeah, you're like, Jesse, like, none of, you don't deserve any of this. He just got sucked in at a young age. Yeah, literally. And Walt warded it over his head forever that, like, he needed him. Mm-hmm. It was a real Rick and Morty ass dynamic it was Walt would just break this guy down little by little to make him feel like he had to be with him uh-huh. the way Rick just keeps you know like Morty you can't do any other shit like, yeah you're, you're riding with me forever yeah just goddamn like that, that's evil right <laughs> like yeah, that's that, not that good pretty evil. that's selfish as fuck but you know I ride with Rick way more than I ride with Walter White oh yeah oh yeah no doubt Shall we move on to the Dark Knight? I believe. So it's the Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> we got Joker and Bane, and obviously for the last uh, last few weeks, you've heard us talking about yeah. this. So uh, we won't dive into it too much. But you know, Joker phenomenal, Bane phenomenal. If you want to hear us talk about the Joker, go listen to the last episode. If you want to listen to us talk about Bane, you already have this episode. So <laughs> you know, yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on, but it's there. Avengers. They've had a gl- they've had a really good slate of villains throughout the four movies that they made. They have, uh, and obviously the big one that everyone on fucking Earth at this point knows is Thanos. Yeah, that man, that man was a pop culture icon. Thanos is yeah. You can't like that was you were like what are they going to build up twenty three mo- twenty two movies into yeah something like that. Um, Thanos. That's what they're going to build it into. Well, and the fact that they planted the seeds so early, the very first movie. The very first, well, not of the, not of the, I guess, um, the universe. Like, I don't think Thanos is referenced in Iron Man at all. No, but they have but Infinity the first... Stones. They have an Infinity Stone in pretty much every Marvel movie. Do they? If you go back and, like, the Tesseract, that's one of the, uh, so Avengers, yeah. there's, there, there's an Infinity Stone in Loki's Scepter 
and in that fucking cube. Yeah. There's two Infinity Stones during Avengers. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, shit. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, he's facing off with a Red Skull who I think has the Tesseract. So, like, yeah. they just keep... they. Captain Marvel eventually faces off with someone with a the, the Tesseract. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that thing just keeps popping <laughs> up. But uh, uh, Thanos like first shows up. I can't remember if it's in Age of Ultron. No, the, it was the, at like, the, the post credit. It was scene. at the end of uh, the first Avengers. Was it? Yeah, you remember because that's where all the ships and shit were coming from. It was it was Thanos's outpost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, oh, at and the, he's sitting in his yeah. throne. You're right. I'm thinking of the end of a. Uh, Guard- they probably showed him again there. They showed him in Guardians of the Galaxy in the uh, post credit scene where he, like, reaches his hand... Or was that Age of Ultron? I can't remember. But he reaches his hand into the uh, Infinity Gauntlet and goes, Fine. I'll do it myself. He, they they did it that... They, they peeped that line that early? Yeah. With the Infinity Gauntlet. Damn. Like, that was in, like, 2015 that Damn. they did that. They knew it was hard. They knew it was hard. And like, Bro, when he, whenever I see that shit on TikTok, that, fine, I'll do it myself. Bro, and that's become such a great, that's one of the best things about TikTok, is. is the Thanos filter thing, yeah. that, where they like make their chin really big, and oh, they, yeah. they just voice over his lines. <laughs> yeah. But this, I will enjoy very much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Thanos, I mean, Another one of those guys that was uh, very compelling because he he, ha- he seemed he to have some good points. reasons. He had some points. He had some points. And he, he he obviously wasn't the first you know villain to ever be uh, conceptualized that had a you know valid ethical foundation to stand on. But he it 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 was portrayed so that as a viewer, like you were like, what he is doing is clearly bad. But the reason why is clearly probably good. Oh, yeah. Like, he... The thing that he did on Titan, where it, like, became like a... Yeah. Or no, I guess Titan was gone into ruin because he didn't get to do it to Titan. Like, when he shows him the illusion on in, in Infinity War, he's like, this is what our society was and what it could have kept being had we not run it into the ground. Yeah. So, like, and that's, like, his point for everywhere. Yeah. It's like, if we eliminate half of all living things, there will be... A, you won't have as many fucking problems. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and, like, he was able to justify sort of how he was able to indict the heroes and their flaws instead of the heroes being, like, these, like, standard images of goodness, of, uh, you know, fighting the good fight. Because in a lot of ways, like, they were not fighting the good fight. They were just simply, like, pointing him. out the bad guy and saying that there is nothing justifiable about you and trying to e- exterminate them that way and that that made them very headstrong and they would get caught up in in like their own politics and they would get caught up in like uh being out of the loop or not not i, I guess thinking um thinking broadly enough about what to do I mean, I got I got to imagine a world in which Iron Man collaborates with Thanos and is like, "Yo, let's talk this out. There's got to be another way we can innovate." Yeah, we can innovate. <laughs> Potentially, we we create some outposts on a different planet. Right. I know like, we can we do that because we're in the Marvel universe. Somewhere. Like, if 
time travel is real here? Surely this is. And time travel definitely existed by the time of the uh, end game. Well, if time travel exists in any time, it already exists. Fuck. You know, because if it's been, if it's way in the future, guess yeah, what? They yeah. can time travel now, so it always exists. Yeah, yeah. I I don't feel like even thinking about that. We should do an episode. We should do a segment on time travel. We should. Zero doubt. Best time travel movies of all time. Ooh. Back to the Future. Hot tub time machine. <laughs> <laughs> Hot tub time machine. That's an Avengers Endgame reference. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean Thanos was a. Uh, and I mean, the modern day for what I'll I'll label as like our our generations or the generation below us possibly like Darth Vader in terms of just how iconic and recognizable oh, that yeah. dude that, that dude is. Yeah, there isn't a villain that holds a T to. I mean, the iconicism of Vader, in my opinion, but. If there's one for this generation, it's got to be Thanos. Yeah, and we, you got to give it time, honestly, because I feel like Darth Vader, while obviously will never be regarded as, like, will never not be regarded as one of the greatest villains of all time, might be on their way out in terms of popularity, because I feel like even now... It's Kylo, gaining less and less relevance. Kylo right? Ren has signed, kind of usurped some of that influence that mm-hmm. Darth Vader had. Because, um, you know, we grew up on Darth Vader being the villain of Star Wars, yeah. but... There's kids gonna be today kids who grew up on Kylo Ren. Grow up with like they they watch the old movies with Darth Vader and they're like, oh, he's oh, obviously that's the bad guy. Look yeah, at him. <laughs> like he's a he's a really bad guy. But they're gonna be like, oh, he's he's formulaic. He's just like the original textbook. And we're gonna be like, I know that's why he's fucking awesome, right? Yeah, they're gonna because be like, he created it. <laughs> they're gonna be like, no, Kylo Ren is a cooler. He Darth was Vader. born in it. You know? <laughs> 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 Uh, they're just going to be like, Kylo Ren's a cooler Darth Vader, though. Like, why the fuck would you like this dude? And we're going to be like, you, fuck you, you fucking fuck you. unworthy fuck you, you piece. <laughs> you little prick. You little prick. No respect for your elders. But, uh, I mean, Avengers also, I mean, I mean, Thanos is just, we'll have to give it time. But in terms of iconicism, I think that, like, he'll he hold a T there. He, he could get that one of the biggest movies it's the biggest movie Man, right before, ever. Right, right before Corona, like I just feel like there was like a a boom in in people like in the movies. cinema was alive. Cinema was oh, okay. That's a different debate. <laughs> but like, there were a lot of very big movies that were coming out. I mean, Joker hit right before, yeah, and that became like a, a million dollar gross. Joker, Spider Man, the Avengers, um. Black Panther was a fucking moment. God. Um, and Eric Killmonger, you were talking about how Thanos was certainly not the first villain to have yeah. a uh, good principle, but mm-hmm. just a interesting way of going about it. Uh, Eric Killmonger came just a couple months before we were introduced to Thanos. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, because it was in May of 2018, wasn't it? Yeah. The first part came out. And February 2018 was Black Panther. So we saw Killmonger before we saw Thanos. Yeah. Damn, and Killmonger's another one of those great villains who just oh yeah didn't couldn't get out of his own way really you know yeah it was just a little uh, forceful. But you know they also had uh, Loki and Ultron, and honestly Ultron in the Avengers movies is one of the most underrated across all of Marvel in my opinion. That like going back, one of the truly scariest villains they've ever had. It like, was scary, e- like just eerie, like that yeah. shit where he'll like uh, sing that a. Uh, 
Pinocchio song where it's like, I have no strings on me. And oh, he, like, yeah. He just keeps doing that, like, really ominous sounding voice yeah. of his. And the way that he, he achieves consciousness, like, the moment where he realizes what the fuck is going on. He's like, I'm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> look it's look like, at me. <laughs> look at me. I'm a real life boy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's interesting, like, watching that shit is just kind of creepy, and then, like, they, they know nothing about it, and they also created it. Oh, there's a lot of, um, yeah, you could definitely talk about Westworld and Age of Ultron. In terms of being in the same vein, you know, Tony Stark created this thing that he couldn't control. Yeah. Gained its sentience and came after his ass. Yeah, Tony Stark does a lot of things that are out of his control. Yeah, he's an ambitious little little guy, you know. Yeah. For sure. But, uh, yeah, Avengers overall has had some great villains. Yeah. Uh, next, let's talk some Star Wars. I've got three up here, and obviously we've already talked quite a bit about Vader. Just the iconic villain. The iconic villain, yeah. Like, no personification of evil visually uh-huh. has gone better, I don't think, you know? No. Like, it was so clear that this guy was like, oh. Yeah. That's the bad guy. Uh-huh. And he's fucking cool. Uh-huh. Like, just that armor, pimp as fuck. Oh yeah, no, the mask. Uh, and then, like, I mean, obviously, you get the uh, the whole arc for Vader is just one of those tragic ones. That's yeah, beautiful. And it, it, we were talking about it a little bit ago with like Grant Ward, where it was like if he had come back to good, it would have been like, all right, well, like if he doesn't die, mm-hmm. it's like you're gonna get locked up forever. So like Vader, like people are like, oh, why couldn't Vader, yeah, stay alive? And it's like, well, dude, he committed galaxy-wide atrocities like yeah, yeah <laughs> he, he, he was he was evil he, he for a long definitely time definitely was evil yeah and you can't there's some shit that you can't really reconcile yeah i mean this man just mur- murked jedi children yeah. in revenge of the sith just <laughs> master them. skywalker there are too many of them what are we going to do <laughs> just like jesus He's fucking like, we're gonna Christ. we're gonna continue to kill him um we're gonna we're gonna murder and it's just pillage, uh, um, yeah, and and he he's he's kind of become a uh, he's he's become sort of a a fixture, I guess, when it comes to big bads. Oh yeah, it's like if you're talking about the greatest villains of all time, yeah. Darth Vader is on the list. Yeah, you have to talk about. And him. I mean, it like, is. obviously, there will there will be people who are like, why didn't you talk about Voldemort at all? Voldemort was a terrible character. Was a terrible antagonist. I especially not executed well in the movies. I don't. Think. Not executed well at all. And like even thinking back to, it, it, they're called Harry Potter for a reason, and not Harry Potter and Voldemort. Like, <laughs> or or something else neutral. It's about Harry. It's like, about it's Harry. A, and, and like overcoming Voldemort is hard or whatever. But like the dude Harry. is also just kind of fucking like. Ugly, <laughs> ugly. Theoretically, of ugly. so was Vader. Yeah, um, took off that helmet and was an ugly boy. He's so massively powerful to begin with that you never actually like see any fight where like like beyond Dumbledore and uh, I don't know why I'm going so deep into Harry. No, Potter. go for it, man. I'm um, digging it. But like beyond Dumbledore versus Voldemort and um, the uh, Phoenix, right? What was it called? The um, Order, Order of the Order Phoenix. Of the Phoenix yeah. Beyond that one, and then the last fight with uh, Harry, Harry and, Voldemort, and Voldemort, 
like the, you don't really see Voldemort. Like you see Voldemort in the Goblet of Fire, but that was some, kind of some bullshit. He just kind of like, pops up, and you're like, oh, yeah. And then Harry's parents pop up, and you're just like, what the Wait. fuck is going on? <laughs> that, that confused me. Um, I but, I've only seen those movies once. Really? I need to rewatch I've seen those them. a lot. I've, seen I've only them. seen them once. Yeah, I was a huge Harry Potter like middle school kid. Um, a lot of people were. Yeah, it was a very. That's like. I mean, to be honest, that is our generation's like Star Wars. Like, if you yeah. want to talk about like the like yeah. the kids in the seventies and eighties, yeah. they loved Star Wars. Kids that, that were our age were like, it was like if you didn't love Harry Potter, you probably loved Twilight or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like Twilight too. Oh, I fucking love Twilight. <laughs> don't even get me fucking started don't on even, Twilight, don't bro. Even get start. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like it, Voldemort, just fucking like he was just like this big like shadow that like never actually did much but had seven lives and you were just like well most of your power is in the fact that they simply cannot kill you but apparently you're like one of the most strongest wizards ever but yet like you just can't be killed nobody's even saying and you're trying to get like weapons and shit because you're not powerful enough like i thought you were a good wizard like you've just described emperor palpatine to a t (laughs) (laughs) aren't you some powerful wizard and yet you keep building the death star like over and over again (laughs) like you're just like trump card (laughs) but yeah i mean and palpatine was the next one i had on star wars obviously he's uh if you get into star wars lore he's like the most powerful sith of all time therefore he's the most powerful villain star wars has ever seen but he never does shit really you know you never get electricity out of you never get to see him do much you know and uh I was uh, I, I, I was excited to see him uh, thrown into the mix in the sequel trilogy. I wish they would have fleshed it out more over the course of the sequel trilogy. But, you know, you get what you get. You don't throw a You fit, get what you, you know? get. You get what you get. Yeah, honestly, in hindsight, the last Star Wars trilogy. Yo, the sequel trilogy is garbage, and I'm comfortable saying that. I was, it was another good. very Game of Thrones-y experience for me. I was I was very apologetic and I and like here's the thing, I will still watch those movies and enjoy them. They're they're, good. they're, they're good entertaining movies. movies and they're, they're, but they're, they are not the first six movies. Yeah. They just aren't. It's And there's a there's an element of nostalgia that comes with those being the Star Wars movies that we got to see come out. See and that's the thing though, is that like I and go oh, you're talking scene. about sequel trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's I was about to agree with you. I was like that's that's what that's what appeals to me is that uh-huh. like these were the mo- Star Wars movies I got to see in theaters. Yeah. So I'll always love The Force Awakens individually. I'll always love The Last Jedi individually. I will always love The Rise of Skywalker individually. But when I look at it as a trilogy, I'm like, god, yeah, these like, do not go not together. Not that great like in terms of storytelling and in terms of just like how much they're 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 being accurate to the universe it's just not as uh it's not as expansive as the older ones were no it's just which is should not be true of a movie that had a much bigger budget much better technology yeah it's uh see but that proves that money isn't everything you gotta have the creative minds behind it. you gotta have the creative minds and uh and in the sequel trilogy we got kylo ren which was uh, we did Kylo an exciting and it, uh, probably probably the high point but of the sequel trilogy for me. One of, like Kylo Ren and Ray and um Ray Ray yeah Ray were you know obviously the, the, the dyad the, the dyad <laughs> the dyad in the force the dyad they are the protagonist and antagonist or whatever throughout but like they're also not and that fucked everything up at the end I feel like like they were like because you they were they were good characters and. 
everything else around them. That's just... what's crazy is that like it is such a great combination of characters. Mm-hmm. Like I love everybody in the sequel. Oh, tr- yeah. I love Finn. I would love to see Finn's story expanded upon. Yeah. I love Ray. I love Poe, and I love the Resistance all together and stuff. And individually, I love Kylo and the idea of Snoke. Yeah, but like. They just didn't put it together right. They just needed to make Snoke Palpatine. That's all they needed to do. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, instead of being like, ooh, it's, uh, actually, it was, uh, Palpatine all along. Well, that's the thing is that, like, yeah. this has been long we talked about. We know who he is. Yeah, it's, it's been long, it's long been talked about that Ryan Johnson really fucked everything when he killed Snoke in episode eight. Yeah. That was kind of, cause it, that's, it. oh my god, I remember watching it and being like, no, but don't get me wrong. When I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Because that scene is electric. It is. It is. It, it, but, like, it, then you go and you look at the story mechanics of it, and you're like, we knew this guy for, like, five minutes. Yes. Literally. And I'm like, he's supposed to be. He like, pops up, like, twice. The whole thing. And, and he pops like up once guy. in The Force Awakens. He comes up at the beginning of The Last Jedi and periodically throughout The Last Jedi. But yeah. overall, I'd, I guess that guy had less than an. Less than an hour of screen time. Yeah. Oh, oh, 100. Well, by far. Oh, by far. 30 yeah. minutes, maybe. Yeah. Did not have, yeah. It's just like, I, I want I want more of that guy, you know? I, I want more. It's uh, weird how talking about best antagonists turned into us critiquing their antagonists, but Star Wars still stands. Oh, it still does. And uh, last, last Star Wars antagonist I wanted to mention was Maul, and uh, I just wanted to talk about how the fact that The Phantom Menace was the first Star Wars movie in almost 20 years, uh, when it came out in 1999 mm-hmm. or I guess 15 years and they needed a villain that was clearly like visually like you were like that's a Star Wars villain yeah and you look at Darth Maul and you're just like oh that couldn't be more right like it, besides Vader never a greater embodiment of evil in terms of look exactly, like, like yeah, he, exactly. he looks fucking grimy that man is that one's, that he, man's he always down. reminded me of that WWE dude who uh, ate the worms. Oh, boogeyman! I'm the boogeyman. That 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 dude used to legit scare me out when I would watch crazy like, wrestling. Wild! Oh, dude, you're, like, you're spot on with that comparison to the face paint. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the way Maul's story was expanded upon in Clone Wars and Rebels, and uh, I wish we could have got more in the solo movies, but yeah. they're not going to do those anymore. Um, but yeah, Maul, another great. Oh, they're not great doing villain. the solo Star Wars movies. Nah, why not? Because the first one bombed. Oh, you mean like, like the... a solo Han Solo? Okay, I thought you meant. Um... Oh, okay. Well, I, I I never expected. I don't think they were going to do more. than Oh, that one was their plan. Oh, they, really? Yeah. The end of the movie is it, Maul pops up and is like a hologram and is like, oh fuck, I forgot. Is like we're going to be working a lot closer now, Kira, and he's talking to Amelia Clark's character, uh-huh. and you're like, oh fuck yeah, this is going to be the shit. Uh-huh. We're going to get more Amelia Clark in the Star Wars universe, and she's going to be working closely with Maul. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I and then they were just they yeah. were just like, never mind. I didn't that think that bombed. movie was that bad. It wasn't bad. It was just the fact that it came after The Last Jedi and everyone hated The Last Jedi, so they boycotted Solo. That's which right. Is pissy. Just Yeah. And I'm assuming maybe with hindsight, Solo will get some more love and maybe yeah. Disney'll reach back into that mm-hmm. bag of tricks there. Yeah. But uh moving on from Star Wars for the last property we have here, Game of Thrones. What God. a collection of villains here. Man. Yeah, they uh, they did not. Uh, they they put a lot of effort into their villains. They showed their villains so goddamn much that you fucking hated them, except for the with the exception of the Night King. Bro, let's talk about okay. 
First, let's talk about the greatest failure of the show and uh, not following through in any way with Night King. Yeah, that was, uh, I was going to say, like, the way that the Night King ends up being defeated and his buildup over literally the eight seasons. Show. Every episode, he, he, he is, the Night King is the antagonist stated in the very first scene of the show. Well, the White Walkers are. Right, but but he's but like he's those, behind those. It, yeah. They build up to the Night King, and like he's like that's the main. That's what you're led to believe is the main conflict of the show. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then it's just not. <laughs> and then it just they just it, like and they get halfway what's through funny, and like they stop caring. What's funny is like I I can apologize for Benioff and Weiss in the way that it's like oh well George R R Martin they didn't sign up to finish that story you know right they didn't sign up to. Uh, finish what was going to be like this the most expansive book series of all time George R. R. Martin didn't finish the fucking books so yeah they had to write the last two seasons without books but what's funny is you cannot blame George R. R. Martin for the failure of the Night King because the Night King is not in the books yeah they fucked that up all on their own yeah but they just should have they should have had some some more elaborate plan than what they do. At least let him say something. At least. One line. One. Like, I, we are no more wiser as to what the nature of the White Walkers was after they're being defeated. They just had to be defeated. We know they're building an army. We know they're trying to take back the land. There's some historical myth, mythological shit that's never verified, really. Um, and you can't look to the books for it because it doesn't play out in the same way. There's like no, the knights. No. There's like the knights king, which is something completely different than the yeah. knight king, which is stupid as fuck because you're like, it's based on books. Like, well, see, and that's the thing too is they had such an opportunity here. We were talking about with Vader and with Maul the way that like they just look yeah. evil. Yeah, the knight king was one of those villains. It's mm-hmm. like you look at him and you go, oh, this is a badass yeah. motherfucker right here. And, and he is a badass, don't uh-huh. get me wrong. They proved that over and over again, but he just wasn't compelling in the end. Mm-hmm. And that's sad because he was such a cool character. And, and I wanted him to kind of, uh, uh, like, turn everything on its head about what, like, the how, you know, the Game of Thrones universe would get lost in, like, the political and all that other shit. And, like, I mean, but the... that was kind of the point of the show. Right. And th- that's why I felt like the Night King was, like, this other element that would kind of show them that, you all are, your you politics all care, are dumb. Yeah, you care too much about all of this shit, mm-hmm. um, and like that doesn't play out at all. No, um, it does not. nothing anyone expected played out in terms of the Night King. Yet the Night King was fucking awesome. I, I, undeniably, whenever I look at the Night King, it's 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 one of those situations where it's kind of like a. How do you deny it? Like yeah. it's like that it helps just drive this. one of the best characters arcs in the show. Jon Snow. Yeah. Like Jon Snow isn't Jon Snow without the Night King. Jon yeah. Snow isn't Jon Snow that without is fucking Hard Home. Dude, Hard Home. If we're talking top ten best episodes of TV ever, I think we're gonna have like four Game of Thrones episodes, I bro. Th- I already have like three. Uh, three. Oh, Battle ideas. of the Bastards, Win- uh, Winds of Winter, where she blows up the Sept, uh, and uh, Hard Home are the three that come to mind for me immediately. Oh, um. Um, Red Wedding. Oh, well, fucking duh. Jesus <laughs> Christ. This is going to be hard. Yo. Because <laughs> honestly, top 10 favorite TV show episodes ever are probably 10 <laughs> episodes of Game of Thrones. Like, <laughs> we're being for real. Game of Thrones had some crazy episodes. Holy shit. I can't wait till we do that. I, <laughs> I can't either. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Speaking of Winds of Winter, let's talk Cersei Lannister. Fuck Cersei. 
fuck Cersei till the day I die, but wow, what a villain. Yeah, what a villain. And uh, it, it it is not apparent until you just keep seeing Cersei season after season, and you're like, wait. Like, I thought it would be Tywin, and it was Tywin for a little bit. And then you think, oh, maybe it's going to be Jamie, and then it's not Jamie. And then you're like, definitely ain't Tyrion. Oh, obviously it's not Tyrion. And then you're like, you get that quick. Cersei, you're like, wait, Cersei, Cersei has been hanging around. She has been playing the Game of Thrones, and it like in the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. She's the first one to say that. Yeah. In season one, to Nedard Stark. Yeah. Or Eddard Stark. He's not Nedard Stark. That'd mm-hmm. be kind of dumb. Yeah, and she's she just she, she really fucking embodies a uh, conniving motherfucker. And she's good at it. She's fucker. really good at <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. Like, quite literally. She fucks her brother. <laughs> they have a kid. Several. Three. Several. Three fuck. kids. Forget how fucked up that part is. All of them blonde as fuck. All... No Baratheon ever blonde. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Eddard Stark is like, oh. Oh. He's like, wait, you mean to tell me the last hand, like, didn't did he die? He got killed. He got killed because... Poisoned by uh, Lady Aaron of the Vale by Peter uh, Peter Baelish's instruction through Tywin. It's, it's, it was a very elaborate scheme here. But what's crazy is that schemes. we didn't write him up here, but, like, very, very big part, Little, Little Finger. Little Finger? Yeah. Little Finger was massively important. Holy shit, yeah. And, I mean, no satis- very uh, few satisfying endings. I remember quite like, watching that episode. Oh, that and when he's just did he die season seven? seven? Okay. When he's just begging for his life. Yeah. And, and then he, Arya just... He played... Oh, okay. oh, man. oh, and when he played that surprised, bro, that actor is phenomenal and also in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, just in general, the, uh, the people who are cast as villains in this show... They remind you a lot of like, I don't know, like what our society just hates, which is the embodiment of Donald Trump, privileged, white and rich. Exactly. Every time. All like Ramsey, Joffrey, Cersei. I mean, you could argue Ramsey wasn't exactly privileged. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But he, he. I mean, but Joffrey, you hit the nail on the fucking T. That kid's a fuck because he was always destined to be a fuck. Yeah, right. Exactly, um, but with Ramsey, it felt like once he did get get the power, like once he was made a uh, uh, fucking, uh, what Bolton, was this? Bolton, yeah, like he really was like now he came into his own as a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, there's no, no nothing more to be said. He he was just going around willy nilly torturing dudes before he was a Bolton, and after that, he was just you know. Mass murdering. Mass. <laughs> <laughs> he got more sophisticated. Mass murdering with the stars in the sun. <laughs> um, and uh, just feeding dudes to dogs and shit. Yeah, he was a generally fucked up. Ramsey Bolton is fucking horrifying. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember feeling another very of satisfying death when Sophie Turner feeds him to the dogs. Oh man, that was that was so good. After Jon Snow comes back. Oh, oh, battle of the fucking bastards, bro. When he's firing those arrows at John and he keeps putting the shield up and they keep hitting and then he hits him with the shield and just beats the living shit out of him on the uh, ground. And, and like, he's ready to beat this man to death. And I remember I hated, I don't know if at that point had he met up with Sansa. 
Yes. Okay, so he knew everything that he had done. Yeah. And it was just, just everything behind living it. through Jon Snow in that moment. You're just just being God, like, kill this man. Beat him to death. How long I've been wanting dude, to. Ever, dude. ever since the moment that I felt bad for how he treated uh, Theon. Theon. Yo, Theon. If you can make me feel bad for Theon, for you are the worst. <laughs> you are the worst. Because, like, fuck Theon, too. Bro, Theon it just killed two random kids. Burned them to a crisp. <laughs> For no reason <laughs> other than to say that he killed, two, he killed his own brothers, that he grew up. Yeah. Yo, he Yo. killed two random kids to, like, say that he killed his brothers. <laughs> oh. I... <laughs> and then Ramsey cut his dick off, and I was like... <laughs> And I was like, this poor fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. And then he... he, he I, am a, reek. he I am Reek. He ate a sausage... Dirty. I, I couldn't. Dirty. I was like, there, there, that show just went to some depths of fucking. Oh, and Ramsey's Ramsey's the one who ends up killing Osha. Oh, you remember that? I loved Osha, bro. Yeah, she was dope. She pops up. Uh, the actress pops up in Harry Potter uh-huh. and in uh, Mandalorian, actually. Oh shit. And uh, but yeah, when she's trying to seduce him, and then she reaches for the knife, and he's like, "Oh, you thought," and then just stabs her. <laughs> yeah, Ramsey was a cold motherfucker, but uh. He is what happens if Joffrey grows up. Oh, yeah. Well, see, but Joffrey was never as... I feel like Joffrey was a little worse because Joffrey wouldn't get his hands dirty. Joffrey uh, was a little He bitch. eventually did, but that's the point, and that's what I'm saying, is that he was just a kid. Yeah. If he'd have grown up, he would have gotten more hands-on. Remember when he, uh, he, he, you know, he, yeah. you know, stuck yeah. five arrows in a woman? Yeah. Like, crucified her with arrows and then shot one last one through her chest. I forgot he did. Oh, my God. Yo, that man did. Fu- oh, my God. That was fucked up. I remember Yo, watching that, that scene kid, and not wanting to watch, like, the show for a little bit. I was kind of done. I was like, I, was like, I think and I'm going to turn this off This now. man took Sansa to see her father's head on a spike. Oh, my God. And then it said, like if you 14. do anything like that, like that, your head will be up there alongside him. She was like a child. She too. was a child. And he was a child. Yo, season one, Cersei is the one begging forgiveness for Ned Stark at his at his fucking altar oh, yeah. to die. She's like, you can't kill You him. can't kill this guy. Yeah. And Joffrey's like, nah, nah. fuck it. He's like, nah. kill this man. No, nah, traitor. <laughs> like, oh, man, they were just so fu- I remember, like, I, I, there was a point in Game of Thrones where I wish nothing more than for Joffrey to die. Bro, this show, I'd never gone so deeply into, like, I'd never wished death upon a character. I know. Like, and then I watched Game of Thrones, and I wished death on a lot, a lot of, of characters. characters. Yeah. Like, I was just... Because, like, usually you don't get in situations where, like, people dying is, like, realistic, like, in the shows right, you're watching. But right. then you watch Game of Thrones, and it's like, anybody could die any episode, and yeah, I'm yeah, ready yeah. for this kid to fucking go. Yes. Okay. Bro, all these other people are dying, but it's not been, Joffrey, It's nobody. been three seasons, and this kid is still alive? Yeah. And still the king? Yeah. He was king for almost half of the show. Mm-hmm. So many seasons. And I remember being like, yo, they're back again. Not, it wasn't the end of last season. Which, and I knew they weren't going to just kill, like... I, what, he wasn't killed at the end of the season. Was no, he? he was killed in like season four, episode two. Yeah, 
Well, so my expectation was that it would be a big moment when he died. Like it would be like a season, yeah, season finale moment. And no, they started the season with yeah. Joffrey's death. Yeah, which is just a super high note. Oh yeah, it's no. just like obviously the that, season and, only gets better. And, and season four was phenomenal. That's what was great about that show was sometimes how they would use the pace because there would be parts of the when I was, was rewatching it like how like. The shit just moved like bang, 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 bang. Like you're like, all oh, of this happened in this, like the this Red scene. Wedding was season three, episode nine, and Joffrey died on season four, episode two. So in a four episode span, you watch the entire Stark House die. Yeah, and Joffrey, and uh, and then by the end of season four, the end of season four is when uh, Tyrion uh-huh. caps Tywin. Oh fuck! Is it? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's also when he kills his lover, uh-huh. who slept with Tywin. That was fucked up. Bro. Super fucked up. I, I was. I felt so bad for Tyrion. Ah, bro. Poor, poor Tyrion, bro. I, 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 would, I would like. I mean, I don't know that I would have strangled. Yeah, strangled I don't know her if I death. would have like stared her in her eyes as I, you know, you know, her choked out. her to death. But uh-huh. uh, I don't think I'd go that far. I, I would. I would. In have, fact, I haven't gone that far. So. Good to know. <laughs> I, I I would just I would be very emotionally scarred after that. Oh, it'd be it'd be very hard to move on from the fact that your uh, your former lover fucked your dad, <laughs> <laughs> and you know the woman that you said you loved for months really was just my lion was just a prostitute, quite simply. Again, that happened to Tyrion twice. <laughs> oh. Yo, that show just took fucked up, and they took it to new levels. <laughs> it's just <laughs> extraordinary levels of fucked up. Yeah, like you're just like, yo, but that's how the unseen, world was. unseen levels of fuckery. Yeah, that's how that's how the world would have been at that time. And this is a long fucking episode. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's two hours and ten minutes. Yo, it's been that long. <laughs> Yo, okay. I think it might be time to wrap it up. I think so. That was all the shows and TV, uh, shows and uh, movies we got here. We got Sherlock, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Home Alone, Mr. Robot, Westworld, Breaking Bad, Dark Knight, Avengers, Star Wars, and Game of Thrones for our favorite villains ever. And, uh, you know, we're almost certainly missing some. But, you know, fuck it. Fuck it. I think we got We, we hit send, here. you we, know. It's over an hour. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this has been the Penny Bloom Podcast. I was Colton Robertson. Joined by none other than the magnificent Tavares Pennington. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you know, no problem. Uh, so uh, maybe you'll hear from us next week. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> you never know anymore. <laughs> we took three weeks off. We dropped an episode. Then we took four weeks off. You just <laughs> <laughs> we did. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, that's what's crazy is that like it doesn't feel like we're skipping that much time no. in between episodes. But no. like I, but when I look in the context of like the Mandalorian rewatch, there's like three episodes in between one of our episodes in the next one and then four yeah yeah so hey well we do it when we do it yeah this was from the beginning the agreement was you expect whatever the fuck we want you to hear this is our longest episode since like a long the beginning yeah since the beginning (laughs) batman begins (laughs) again uh, but, <laughs> I'm hoping that you're going to carry that through. <laughs> but uh, again, this has been the Penny Bloom Podcast. I was Colton Robertson. That was Tavares Pennington. And uh, always remember, peace, love, and bloom. And always praise Keanu praise Reeves. Praise Keanu Reeves. Praise him.